is the uh, the remainder of my pastels. Oh, David, how can you possibly still have pastels? It's been a month. I have got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 remaining pastels. How? Oh, 10 remaining pastels. How? I'm not that into pastels. <laughs> Hey boomers, welcome to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your fortnightly guide to the Sega world of excitement <laughs> and adventure. We're the humans who think we're in charge. I am Dave Bulmer. And I, as always, am Chris McFeeling. We've got issue number 35 this fortnight. When did that one come out, Chris? Cover dated September 30th, released on the 17th of September, 1994. Oh, we're into the school again now. We are. We're back at school. We're bringing this issue in to show our friends. It feels like the year only just started, but that's probably more a commentary on 2020 no. than it is on 1994. 100%. I keep telling people that we're one year into the podcast, and actually, <laughs> we're quite a bit further than that. Ooh, look a year and a half yeah oh well <laughs> this is what we're busy ourselves with in 2020 we're making ourselves a podcast and hey i've definitely worse ways i could have spent my time than doing this show i'll tell you that you're absolutely right we've got a lovely big richard elson cover oh, it's the same oh, size yeah. as the other covers really but it's a richard elson well, it's, it's big because it's just a big <laughs> close-up so it's like Ugh. it is it's a close-up of dr robotnik behind bars doing his shoutiest angriest robotnik face clutching the bars you imagine him giving them a shake and it says robot Nicked. Arr. Evil dictator goes stir-crazy inside. That's nicked, as in the British slang for being arrested, if you're not from the UK. You're, ni- Yo, you're nicked, sunshine. sunshine. Yeah. Uh, your new tale story begins this issue, and printed on one of the fists of Dr. Robotnik, because this picture is slanted off to the right. It's a dramatic Dutch angle, but it also happens to have the same effect that that one Tails cover we've talked about a few times did, mm. in that it's slanting away from an empty space in the bottom left, because on his fist it says, Sonic stickers come unglued? Check with your newsagent right away. And I realised that I ought to go and check if I've still got the stickers on my other one, but I definitely won't have, because they'll have yeah. gone on the bed. That was the first thought I had, was like, ooh, because we've seen it before, where you still have the free gifts attached, but then I thought, no, we know, Dave. Well, they may not have even gone on your bed, because these are Panini Sonic stickers for the sticker album, so you may have actually I would have put, put them, them on the album, album, not on the bed. Yes, you're absolutely right. Oh, well, that's what it is then, so I don't need to look at them. It'll just be a red pack with Sonic hmm. on the front, probably in the Sonic 3 pose as we saw in the... Ooh, see, I have a vague visual memory of it, and I'm remembering kind of like the Sonic 3 logo, that vaguely 3D-looking title screen logo, I think. Maybe that's what... It, but I can't swear that. You probably know better than I do, to be you honest. You know what? I would have said exactly the same thing, but I've looked it up, and now my memory has been jogged. It is, of course, just the same cover as was on the front of the album. That does make more sense. When I show you the picture in the chat here, you'll be like, oh yeah. Uh, there you go, look. Yep, yep, that's it. Yep, there Remember it is. That? Ping! Immediately the light bulb went off. Not only am I seeing it and remembering the image, but I'm remembering the feel of trying to, like, take a fistful of them home from the shop and them <clears> sliding <throat> off each other and going oh, on the floor. Yeah, well, that's not <laughs> unique to Sonic. Yeah, you're picking up no. stickers. Yeah, yeah, that weird, shiny, slippy stuff they used to... I mean, it makes sense the inside was... Waxed, I think they were. Because well, the inside was certainly waxed wasn't it yeah i guess they must have been yeah as an adult i guess i understand it a bit more but as a kid you did wonder how they packed them because they were yeah. like vacuum sealed around them there yeah. was, the cards didn't shift or slide you couldn't see through it in any way you know they were nope. like, super fine and then just say as a kid that's still how they're packaged even now you know when i've gone over to look for that on the old google images i found all sorts of interesting things for sale i don't need any of this because i've got my completed album but you can get a sealed box of 100 packs of the stickers. Ooh. Yeah, however, they appear to be from Germany. 
So it eh. might be... Or, uh, do you know what? I'm making that up based on fur, but I think that's German. Doesn't matter much. The numbers on the back are the same. So. And the pictures are presumably the same. Yeah, they didn't have writing on, did they? There's no text on the pictures. So yeah. And then, this is interesting, on somewhere, not eBay, on somewhere called WorthPoint, don't know mm. if it's still available, but somebody is selling an empty sticker album, but a complete set of the stickers loose. <gasps> You so, get the opportunity to stick them in yourself. Stick them in yourself. But oh my god, that? that's the dream. It kind of is. So if you want to go for that one, Chris, uh, I mean, what what are they charging? Well, I don't know. It doesn't say. It just oh. says start free trial because it's worth point, not eBay. You know, oh, I don't it's know. probably not even there anymore. Then it's still the dream, even if it exactly. may not be my personal dream. But just <laughs> conceptually, is. it's the dream. <laughs> so yeah, go and look for that, everybody. Write to me, and I'll send you the link. But why does that exist? Who made a full, complete collection of Sonic stickers without putting them in the sticker album? Nobody knew about eBay in those days. Yeah. Who, well, you can still find mint and seal box toys from way back in the day. You yeah, know. toys. Yeah, but like, I guess. But they're not mint. That's the thing. They know which, which stickers they are because they're all out. Oh, that's and right. Loose. They are all loose stickers. Well, you yeah. know, maybe it was just an incredibly persnickety child who didn't rate yeah. their own ability to stick the stickers. Should have given me a ring. I was very good at it. Yeah. Well, it says here, <laughs> I'm selling off many of my Panini and Merlin albums and stickers. So please have a look at my current and upcoming auctions. Oh, this is mirrored from eBay. So it's probably an old yes. eBay auction. Though. Yes. This auction's for an empty Sonic sticker album plus a complete loose set of 228 stickers. The album is in amazing condition. The stickers, too, as they were bought in excellent condition with no damage at all. Oh, sounds maybe like he's amassed it all secondhand. Right. Uh, oh, and he's collected. Oh, oh gosh. And now I see that you can get Merlin Nintendo sticker collections. Oh, that's doing things to my memory brain. Oh, the summer fate of 1980, whatever the hell it happened to be. Oh, goodness me. Oh, I had a few of them. I turned a couple of them into badges of the <laughs> Summer Fates badge-making stall. Oof, might, uh, might chip in for some of them. Right. Stickers! Just some advert! Just some We've an advert on the back. Have you got a physical this time? I do. This is my last one, though, unless I can oh, get no. some more uh, physical oh. copies out of someone. Oh, Chris, you're going to have to get on it. Trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is an advert that I really do remember, but I didn't realize what it was for. Yeah, right. I had the same <laughs> vibe. Like, I flipped it over and I was like, oh, yeah, this looks familiar. And then I looked at it and I was like, ugh. <laughs> it says, if you can do this, you can play this. And the first this, the one you can do is presumably not photographed exclusively for this, or he'd be doing something to do with it. Right? There's a little arrow. Well, there's not a little arrow. It's a big arrow, and it yeah, says, yeah. if you can do this, and then there's an arrow pointing to the left, and it's a young, cool 90s dude with his yep. sort of tie-dye-looking, loose-fit, baggy T-shirt and shorts. And shorts, yeah. Just kind of standing there with his hands on his hips. But then... I was going to say photoshopped, but whatever they used to whatever do it back then, it wasn't Photoshop. There are three footballs just sort of revolving around him. He's yeah. visibly not kicking or moving them in any no. way. But Although they've tried to make it as if he is. They've taken his legs and then they've like put other copies of them stretching out but fading off as they go. So it's as if it's like motion lines, but it couldn't be clearer. That's his whole body, not even just his legs. See, I took it to be his legs and his shoulders. But yeah, no, you're right. His head, but that's something you do with footballs. You header balls. Yeah. His arms are going, his legs are going. And yes, his hips are going. So it is his whole body, but they've tilted the legs. They've tilted the head to make him look like he's moving. It couldn't be clearer that he isn't. Yeah. He's definitely just standing stock there. Stock still. Stock still, standing up, hands on hips, giving us a little scowly look. But like a grinny scowly look. He doesn't look cross with us. He looks like he's being a model. Hair unscuffed. He hasn't done anything to the ball with his head. 
and those balls are just going around him with big trails, big motion trails, big kind of gross blur trails. And if you could do that, if you could be that good that you can appear not to be moving and still be juggling football, three different footballs around you with your various body parts, then you can play this. The Hurricanes from US Gold. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> they haven't reviewed it, have they? But they did put it in the news zone, at least. Something like that, yeah. We take no substitutes. Only the best are good enough to match the might of the Gorgons on foreign turf. I guess those were the baddie. They must have been the baddie, the baddie footballers. footballers. Yeah. <laughs> Their turf. Donning the shirt of a Hurricane superstar, use your footballing skills to find a safe route through tantalizing traps, mind-bending puzzles, and stamina-draining obstacles. Are you good enough to make it to the steps of the Gorgon Stadium? Only you will know! That's a weird line, isn't it? Isn't that? Yeah. Weird to me that... And then there's a load of screenshots. We've already covered this game. Don't need to tell you much about it, except to remind you that The Hurricanes is a cartoon series, presumably an American cartoon series, which nevertheless is about English football. Soccer. No, no, see here it says copyright 1994 Deke Animation and Scottish Television PLC. So I think it was a co-production. Oh, golly, that's interesting. And isn't Deke European anyway or something? Um, I don't know. They're infamously bad. (laughs) Well, anyway, what I want to remind the listener of is that it's a cartoon about the game of football, but the game is just a standard platform game. Yeah, yeah, where you kick a football at enemies and such. It's not actually yeah. a football game. Oh, well. I mean, it certainly would have made me more likely to play it back in the day. But True. <laughs> it does seem like a weird fit. Certainly, given. Although we already had two superior football-kicking platform games to choose from. True. Superior in that they were not tied in with the cartoon The Hurricanes. Control <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, a classic opening here of one of the most ridiculed ways of opening a YouTube video, particularly, or a TV mm. episode. It's, oh, uh, sorry, didn't see you arrive. Oh, hi there. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't see you there. <laughs> oh, hi, I didn't see you there. Yes, Mega Drive has been busy playing his brilliant new Sega Multi-Mega. That's right. This is a little weird to me. I don't know if you thought the same way. I did. It sounds like an advert, doesn't it? Yeah, okay, good. It sounds like an advert, right? Okay, good. We're on the same page with this then. (laughs) Because STC doesn't normally sound like that in the control zone. It doesn't normally sound like Mega wrote a shilling for the newest piece of hardware. Like, they'll talk about how cool the Mega CD was and everything, but it wasn't like, look at me, I'm gaming, kids! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he constantly says my brilliant new sega multi-mega that's in bold he says it again at the end mm. twice multi-mega is bolded towards the end i have this strange compulsion to buy a multi-mega <laughs> i mean i already had that that's the thing they didn't need to do this they did it when they showed me what a multi-mega was and said yeah it's a mega drive and mega cd in one neither of which you have and also it looks a bit like it could be used as a portable cd player so yeah the ultimate most exciting possible thing mm. He says he likes it so much, I've had it grafted onto my body. Which is alarming until you pause and remember that Megadroid is made up out of, like, bits of Sega consoles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only trouble is, when those lazy humes want to play a Mega Drive or Mega CD game, I'm carried off to the nearest power socket and plugged in. Sigh. The perils of being such a useful droid. 
And then he just starts telling us about stuff that's happening in... Uh, yeah, it's a proper FTC. bullet-pointed list this time. There's so yeah. much going on. The sort of thing we normally get in the middle column, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. First of all, he tells us about the stickers. We've yeah. got those already. Now here, and then he tells us about the free gifts we were wondering about last issue. Yes, and it really clears up how it is that they're going to stretch that out to the end of the year. Yes, they started to crystallise in my mind as yeah. I read this, because we both didn't remember what it was last issue. No, there are going to be more free gifts on every issue between now and issue 40. And they're going to be sets of stickers. Five, count them five, sets of brand new stickers designed to uh, stick just about anywhere. Exclusively for you boomers. One set given away free with each issue up to 40. I mean, I can't really remember them. Oh, But okay. I, I mean, I remember their existence. But I can't sure. conjure too many images of them up for well, some reason. I can incredibly remember them. I've told you about my bed. Mm. And I have discovered that I've got a couple of photos of yes. bits of the bed that do have the stickers on. Oh, man, look at that. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Look at those. Oh, that's coming. <laughs> in Gosh, they're so yeah. big, too. They're absolutely enormous. I didn't remember them being as big as that. That's the thing. How many are we looking at? One, two, three, four, five. That's probably one per issue up till 40, right? I think they were sets, weren't they? Five sets of brand new stickers. Yeah, so maybe it was yeah. two stickers per issue, perhaps? Yeah, I think it was one of those things where it's like a little flap outside oh, the cover. Oh, zone runner one. One big one on one side and two yes. less big ones on the other side. Yes, I think you're right. I know there was a Tails one that was Believe a Fox Can fly mm. i tell you that for definite because that was the first time i heard that phrase it's <laughs> from superman but i didn't know that so these would probably be then the five big ones yes those are the big from ones. the set so then who knows where the 10 small ones are well i do they're on different bits of my bed Rah. and i don't have photos of them except this bit mm. around the other side of the same wardrobe where you can see a couple of the smaller ones oh yes there they are there they are you see along with several from the sticker album more than several many 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 and lots of the various little transfers look you see i did get the transfers to go up yes you see that gold tail yeah yeah, from issue 50 they can be transferred onto wood but i remember the pain of it in fact even at that resolution you can see a little chunk missing from Mm. the top of tails gold head and that's because yes you have to hold it on there really really scribble watch as it tries to bounce off the wood watch as the wood warps under it and then care Carefully remove the sheet, but it works. It eventually works. <laughs> my work of art bed. I've got to get hold of it. I've got to get it back in my clutches. <laughs> right, what else has Megadroid got for us? Um, Tails flies again. Yes, telling us that a new Tails story, Zone Runner and the Flock, starts this issue. Though we won't find out what the Flock are until next issue. No. And then he tells us Eternal Champions are coming back, which we already knew, didn't we? So I guess that means it's taking the place of Mutant League. Move the furniture, roll up the carpets, and stand by for action! And then he signs off with, I hear my multi-mega calling, boomers! That's so adverty. My super cool multi-mega, now available in stores. Yeah, but then just as you're saying that to yourself, he then says, pity the multi-mega is so pricey. So it's like, it's like a mega advert. Right? It's like, it's been so corporate man shilling the product yeah. and then going wild pricey though at the very end <laughs> i wonder if that is maybe richard burton was told you've got to advertise this thing and he's like all right i'll say what i think well it doesn't seem like <laughs> sega was very hands-on with stc no it doesn't no after a bit no especially if you take richard burton's word for it did you see that article that got passed around the other day oh yeah i did yeah i mean i've heard it said before that early yeah. on like they basically said look leave us alone till we make it good <laughs> and yeah that's what happened Boomer Watch, we have the middle column. Yeah, not much of a feature on the rest of the control zone. We just have this section. Yeah, all it is, is it's a list taking up the entire middle column of um, 
just everyone who they've printed a letter or picture from, but who didn't send in their address and yeah. still haven't. Which is nice of them, because you'd think that they'd be like, well, we got away with not having to give away a prize for that. I mean, after I'm sure after a point they gave up. But it is yeah. just a list of names. But Unless they're still hiring private eyes now to try and track these people <laughs> Even down. now, Fleetway must balance its books, yeah. get that red out of its ledger. There's a guy sit, like on his own island somewhere where he's landed, he's set up a little home for himself, and a little a little boat shows up, a secret agent with like a high collar and sunglasses and a big hat, comes along, hands him a Sonic Water fun game and goes, you've been served. <laughs> <laughs> turns and putters off into the horizon. I did have a good laugh at the very last line of this column, though. It says, if you are one of these boomers, or know any of them, write to, and then you give the address. It says, all communications will be treated in confidence. Only cheats and saddos will be ruthlessly exposed. <laughs> saddos. Saddos. Remember saddos? The Singer Shots. I'm excited. Have you seen the charts? Is it because Fantastic Adventures of Dizzy is at number two? Number two! <laughs> Dizzy at number two. Sonic 3 is down to six. And yeah, FIFA's at the top spot. But that almost doesn't count because FIFA's always at the top spot. Dizzy won, Chris. Dizzy won. That's set up to number two on the Mega Drive charts. Fantastic. It's called Fantastic Dizzy. It's not called Fantastic Adventures of Dizzy. That was a previous game on the NES that it's a remake of. But it's a Mega Drive. Dizzy. Better title, though. It is a better title. Yeah, Fantastic. That's a dizzy bad title. Don't know why they did it. Yeah! What? I can't believe it! I'm a fan of Dizzy, but, like, there was baggage there. You had to have been there in the Spectrum days and be inherently excited. Kim Justice did a video recently about Fantastic Dizzy on the Mega Drive, and, and like, yeah, she was saying it was quite good. In fact, she said it's actually one of her favourite Mega Drive platformers, which came as a surprise. This is a weirdly well-liked game. I've always thought of it as a bit janky. I don't know. I mean, I never played it, but it was definitely within my sphere of consciousness. As Really, right. Yeah, you know, back in the day. I mean, it was advertised in SDC. Well, there is that. <laughs> but no, I mean, I wouldn't really recommend recommend it i wouldn't suggest it as a game you need to particularly play but hey as team dizzy from the olden days i'm uh, yeah I'm even older days than 1994 hmm. pleased to see him getting a getting his due getting a look in here hey boomers yeah we're about to talk about sonic but you might be able to hear all sorts of noise from my channel we've both got all the winds open it's one of them heat wave times we have uh. in the summer and it just stopped good but for whatever reason car alarms are going off sirens are going off they're honking at each other outside all the noises are going to be happening and we're just going to have to press on with it we can't close the windows guys no 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 they're not getting closed. it's not that kind of weather siri what's the weather in ireland right now it's currently cloudy on 63 degrees in dublin ireland who are siri what's the weather in england right now it's currently clear in 70 degrees in london england siri what's the weather in texas right now it's currently clear in 91 degrees Okay. Sonic. Power of the Chaos Emeralds Part 1 Written by Nigel Kitching with art by Richard Elson and letters by Ellie DeVille Knuckles breaks into Sonic's underground base to rescue Dr. Robotnik and the two villains force Sonic to hand over the Chaos Emeralds by holding Porker Lewis to ransom. With the Emeralds in their possession, Knuckles and Robotnik head for the floating island but Sonic and Tails give chase for a final showdown. I like this. It's lovely. I mean, for a start, look at Porker on page two. Look at those great drawings of Porker on oh page two. Oh my god. Thank you so <laughs> much. I adore these drawings of Porker on page two. I love the fact that you homed in on them as much <laughs> as I did. What's going on? What's oh, so good about them? Look it's at that. Just... I can't tell. He's not... It's a cut above. He's not any 
different than usual. Maybe, do we just not usually see Porker in a three-quarters view? That could be it. He's cuter than usual. I think Richard does have a go-to face for Porker, which is seen at the bottom of the page, and again on the facing page, and again on the next page, and again that's it um where it's a sort of a you know his head-on view of porker we're all very used to but no it's not just the angle it's like so we get this one drawing of him cowering in front of robotnik because the story here is that porker has been sent down to essentially like the dungeons yeah to the dungeons to just interrogate robotnik and see if they can get any information out of him that might be useful and of course he's just having the most wonderful time scaring porker instead and it's brilliant sonic does say that it's porker's turn so i guess they're just dividing the duties up equally but really you're gonna send porker in to interrogate anybody i know (laughs) how is porker gonna get any answers out of anyone he's at his most piglet i think he does a da-da-deer he actually does do an oh da-da-deer doesn't he i I, I thought (laughs) piglet was the first thing that came to mind good morning doctor i uh, i hope you slept well as a matter of fact i did i had a dream about what i was going to do to you (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then you get these two drawings of porker one where it's like he's got a sort of casper the friendly ghost shaped face for a while and he's kind of i don't know what it is but it's just these two lovely cartoony drawings no i can't pin it down i think it's something to do with the proportions in the first panel his eyes are definitely closer together in the second panel then maybe his head is a little it's not quite as tall it's a little rounder definitely in the third panel yeah that's it he's got this rounder head and then the third panel is a side-on view of porker and he's managed to make that really cute he's given him this little snout he makes it work on the shape of face he's got do you know what i do realize as i look at this that i miss is porker's little quiff that he used to have oh right yeah he does look so skinless and nude now that he doesn't have his hair (laughs) (laughs) but okay what i'm about to say i don't actually think is the case right but twice reading this one i thought did richard get help from someone else there did someone else draw a little bit? And the first one is the top panel of page two. That first drawing of Porker does not look like a Richard Elson Porker. But it it's does the eyes, look like I someone think. else. It's the, Yeah, it's only the eyes. But I recognise them as someone else's eyes, but I don't know who I'm thinking of. Like another STC artist. Ignore all of that. I've found out what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Derek Laufman's Ruin World and the pig character in that. Porker looks a bit like him in this panel. That comic is out now instead of back then, so it obviously has nothing to do with it and is a total coincidence. But then, and again, this also could come down to the colours. But the last knuckles on the last panel of the whole thing looks hella like a Nigel Kitching knuckles. Not to me, no. No? I mean, I think the thing that I think may be happening there is, this is the point we must make, is that Uh knuckles is a different colour in this strip. Not nearly pink enough for my liking, Chris. He's now a kind of purpley, magenta-y sort of colour. Like when Nigel drew him. So that could be what Like when Nigel drew him in the summer special, exactly. That's what I was going to say. But just something about the eyes to face, the, something about the mouth. It just really reminds... Just his, again, just his face. 
really reminds me of that summer special. But yeah, it could just be that I'm seeing the sort of yeah. purpley colour. That would be my reckoning, all right. Because obviously, the, um, oh, I remember this, the first panel of next issue is just this panel again. Not literally, but oh. it is Knuckles and Sonic in the same position. Except Knuckles is going to be red next issue. <laughs> yeah, all right, that's it. It's quick and fast. Yep, that's oh. when they make the shift. And it's just so noticeable because it's the characters in the same pose redrawn. So he goes from being purple here to being uh, red. So I almost wonder then if this issue was them transitioning between pink and red knuckles. <laughs> That's how I read it back in the day. It's yeah. weird because it is the kind of purpley colour that he was in the summer special. He was, but, yeah. But didn't Nigel say once that he got a bit of a stick from editorial for the colour he had made knuckles in the summer special? Really? So it's like you wouldn't be too surprising if Richard delivered two issues, well one issue really, one issue and a panel of pink knuckles and then somebody yeah. wrapped him on the knuckles and was he's not pink! He is though. But, um, <laughs> and, and then there was this modification made in this issue and they were like, not, no, he's done, it's too pink yet! And then, then yeah. it was an issue, the next one where they had to change it. Because of course we don't know when the summer special issue was drawn. That might have mm. been done after the first appearance of Knuckles had been drawn already. It would yeah, make sense if he wrote it that way round as well. Yeah, could be, could be. Or it could just be that Sonic and Knuckles pictures were starting to come out because we've had the logo. So internally, they might have been given some stuff and be like, uh, sorry guys, he's red now. I mean, he's really only really properly, truly red, like on the title screen of Sonic and Knuckles. You know, he's oh, is that right? red, red, bold, bright. Well, I mean, even look at Sonic Mania. Like, the sprite is not the same red as the animations well, of Knuckles draw him as being. You're 100% right, but I thought that was because they were acknowledging pink Knuckles in Sonic Mania when they made this sprite. <laughs> he is red-er. The sprite is red-er in yeah. Sonic and Knuckles, but it's not the bold, bright, 100% flood fill ink red knuckles that everything draws him and colours him as now. Yeah, I'm looking now at the sprite and it's not the same red as his shoes. No, that's the ultimate truth of knuckles. Yeah. If he was red, <laughs> he'd be the same colour as his shoes. And he's not. <laughs> but he is on the Sonic and Knuckles title screen. So I guess there's that hmm. and then what was he in Chaotix? Was Chaotix, red yeah. You pull that up there now and compare that. I'm pretty sure he was I still will. pretty magenta-ish in it. Difficult to find anything that isn't just the title. Oh, no, he's pink in that. There you go, then. I've got a screenshot of him next to um, Mighty here, and he's... Yeah, he's pink. And Mighty was pure proper red. So it's Sonic Adventure. That's when he turned red, red, red. Yes, that's literally what I was about to say. They turned him properly, fully red in the games in Sonic Adventure. Well, I never. I did. Think, <laughs> <laughs> pink. Right, yeah, this is a good story. Yeah. So, what it consists of is, as Chris has established, Porker goes and does that. Knuckles saves Robotnik and they get. Knuckles away. comes burrowing up through the bottom of the cell. As we find out, this creeped me out so much as a kid. It's because Robotnik has a homing device in his tooth. And yes. somewhere along the way, he found the time to place a small implant in Knuckles' skull, Knuckles tuned to the skull. frequency of this homing device. And when I say in his tooth, don't imagine it like oh. a fake tooth or a cyanide no. capsule fake tooth type thing. No, no, no. it's like it's. Robotnik's teeth are such huge big things as we know from the comic no it's just a little section of tooth that he just lifts out he plucks out a square of one of his front teeth 
Not a whole tooth, if you're imagining that. No, just a square out there. And we have to look at this. There's a close-up of him with this square out of his tooth. And he's holding up this thing, which is the little square slab of tooth. And behind it, like an actually really plausible little homing device. Little bits of machinery Mm -hmm. and plugs and beepers sticking off and little capacitors. And like, if I had one of them plugged into my tooth... I would spend all day being like, fiddling with it. I wouldn't be able to shout at Porker Lewis. I'd be like, I had a dream about what I was going to do to you. And that would just make me more creepy. So maybe Robotnik has been doing that. Maybe this whole time he's been going like, and that's one of his character <laughs> that's traits. Why he always used to have that big worked up water drool in the corner of his mouth and going, all the time. Yeah, but I tell you what I love about this. STC sometimes does stuff that just happens to line up with the games. They're about to do something with the Chaos Emeralds that's then going to be correctly reflected in Sonic and Knuckles, and we're going to go like, oh, they they knew all along, and maybe they did. Maybe they were informed, but maybe it was just luck. But here we have... (laughs) This is never mentioned again that Knuckles has a device in his skull that can allow him to home in on stuff. (laughs) Right. And yet, Knuckles spends his first two 3D games homing in on stuff with built-in homing beacons. Oh, yeah, yeah, searching for the emeralds. (laughs) Isn't that weird? (laughs) I never thought of that. (laughs) Yes, he rewired that. Well, who was going to take it out? I mean, exactly. So they could have... If they'd done, like, a longer full Sonic Adventure adaptation. They could have really leaned oh, on that. Oh, they could that. have dredged that back up. Yeah, Porker got in there, rewired the homing device. Exactly, so yeah. Check emeralds. It would fit into <laughs> the story perfectly because each, at any given moment, Knuckles is going to say to Porker, by the way, I've got a homing device in my brain. You couldn't just rewire that to do Chaos Emeralds, could you? Because that would really help me out. I mean, to be honest, I'd probably rather have it removed entirely. I don't imagine Knuckles possesses the ability to turn it on and off. <laughs> I don't know, man. If someone had put a homing beacon in my head, in my skull would i want to remove it or just have it under control to home in on stuff i think is cool so if i'm like i want to find something that'd be useful skill to have i require the ability to turn it on and off and i can only assume robotnik did not program that in yeah but i bet porker could i bet porker could give me a little button Uh, yeah i probably could yeah Oh, man, now I've just had a mental flash of Porker literally performing, like, brain surgery on Knuckles, and that's terrible. I know, I don't want Porker's quivering hands coming in at my brain. (laughs) Well, at least they're hands now. That's true, because... In fact, he's got the most advanced hands out of anyone on Mobius. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't want the trotters coming in. I suppose that's probably why (laughs) Knuckles would have to rely on a homing device in his skull instead of something to operate with those big mittens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but (laughs) Knuckles could always take them off. I no, I don't know what Knuckles has under there, to be honest. Oh, so you think they they exactly mirror the shape of his gloves, just all four fingers as one thing? You know, I don't know, but you know what I will bet is what? that whatever the answer to that question is, Archie answered it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I'm gonna Google it now. Knuckles' hands. You know, that's oh. probably not going to get you very much, typing oh. Knuckles' hands into Google Images. Correct. Uh, Knuckles' echidna. Yeah, hand. there you go. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, Chris, you were absolutely correct. Archie have done it, and it's bad. There you go. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly what you'd expect it is, but... It is, yes. Yep. 
Yeah. Oof, okay, right. So that's quite enough. Right, moving on. Back on track. <laughs> back on track, back on track, back on track. I love that they have the case of Chaos Emeralds and we get to see the Chaos Emeralds. I have been a fan of multiple of the same thing, but all different colours all my life. I think it goes back to these i think they were cards that i had as a really little kid that was supposed to help you to learn to count they oh they were dominoes they were dominoes but instead of just spots they had three snails and they would all have a different colored shell or whatever that sort of thing <sighs> or i'm just remembering those snails i wonder if i can find them again i just want to get that the six snail domino and put it up on my wall stc always had the best collection of emerald colors because they yes. do a full rainbow with them well no they do a pride flag with them rather than a rainbow there's only six of them oh um, right yeah. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. Yeah, which is close to indigo and violet, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, but the games, instead of an orange one, they had a pink one. Well, from Sonic 2, instead of an orange one, they had a pink one. And yeah. then there was the grey emerald as well. But then these days, what is it these days? It's. Um, oh my god, I don't care. I, I think it's a <laughs> cyan instead of pink these days. Oh, so there's a no. blue one and a cyan one. It's oh like, no! Stick an orange one in there. Orange sets the whole thing off. Yeah, what are you playing at? You ever know? I mean, you, you're a man who must have owned many packs of colored pencils and crayons over yes. the years. Do you ever notice how when you take the orange out for something, the whole remaining pack just looks strangely dull with the orange missing? I've never tried it. Orange is this key transitional color. It's difficult to tell what color the Chaos Emeralds are because if you Google Chaos Emeralds, you just get fan art of the Chaos Emeralds and they all just pick whatever colors they want, really. But they've been consistent since Adventure, I believe. Right, yeah, right. Because Sonic 3, I think, was a little wonky as well. Well, anyway, Sonic the comic had the best collection because they have a nice it little did. rainbow of them. And lest we forget, Sonic's keeping them in a refrigerated box here because as we learned back during the Sonic Terminator, if they're not kept cold, they become unstable and they'll warp back to the special zone. Right, because they don't have the grey emerald with them. Yes, no control emerald. Yeah, doesn't mention that here. He basically no, but, found out that you could just put them in the fridge and it yeah. has the same effect. That's what, <laughs> I mean, really, that, that's what Kinterball should have done. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know how good his fridge was, because that egg, you That's know? true, the egg went bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, but it took six months to go bad, so it's a pretty good fridge. That's, yeah. Hmm. Well, if only he'd known. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right about six months, Sam? Yeah, fact check me. right. <laughs> While Stace Sonic does have Kintobor saying that the egg has been in there for six months, Sonic the comic amends that to six months or so. However, if he'd forgotten about it for that long, I don't know how he could possibly know exactly how long it's been in there. So kids, make sure to store your Chaos Emeralds only in a fully functioning refrigerator with the help of a grown-up. And don't be like Kintobor, Kintobor's dead. Does make you wonder why Sonic didn't just do this in the first place, instead of hiding them in the North Key. Yes. Oh well. No, no, you know, I was going to say it's because they didn't have the underground base at the time, but the timeline gets a little wobbly, doesn't it? Because those early stories do show them operating out of Kinderbor's lab and then... That's true. I've got an answer for you, though. Mm. Sonic the Hedgehog and his team are eco-warriors, and mm. they will not they run are. a refrigerator they do not need to run. I mean, this definitely seems like it must work on batteries. Yes, because he's brought it with him and he yeah pushes it under the little flap in the cell. Mm. Um it's a great picture of Sonic and Amy and Tails all peering over the top of this thing as he opens the yeah. lid like a treasure chest. All of this like kind of dry ice kind of haze stroke Kirby Dot magic stuff comes out of them. It just makes them look like they're sizzling with both energy and cold. Doesn't everybody just look great in this Yeah. One? Look how, look how oh. round Sonic looks. This is like Richard, so good. We've reached that ideation point, this bit where the ideal 
Richard Elson Sonic has taken form. He's so round and soft looking. Yeah. Oh, it's great. But that doesn't reduce his, like, attitudiness. He's still got this kind of frown on Oh, not in the slightest. I mean, it's on full display here. Again, Mm. we do get the pendulum swing of STC Sonic here, you know. Whenever he hears the trouble down, he comes zooming down. Sounds like Porker's in trouble. Wouldn't be the first time. I can't leave you alone for five minutes, can I? And then, you know, the rest of the team comes running down, and it's like, what's going on? Just Porker Lewis, professional hostage, doing his usual thorough job. And then Porker and Robotnik's reaching through the bars, grab Porker, and he's pinning them against the bars in the headlock, and he says, don't worry about me, Sonic, just don't let Robotnik take the emeralds. Don't try to be a hero, Porker, it doesn't suit you. Johnny, get the chaos emeralds. It's like, boom, not even a hesitation. Yeah. Like, he's been a dick about yeah. it, but he's like, no, not my friend. Oh, I got an emotional reaction to that bit. It's like, oh, it's so good. He's he's so good. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if I'm talking about Nigel or Sonic. Or Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, oh. I love this. I love this. This is such a great comic. Mm-hmm. And this is such a great issue of the comic. As we said last issue, we are now at the start of what is essentially a long story that will run until issue 50 with some intermissions along the way. And that story essentially represents these two creators at the height of their power. And we're just seeing it crystallize now at the very start here. Yeah, and it feels like that's what we're in because this story has room to breathe, Mm -hmm. but also a a good amount of stuff is fitted in. You know, we spend five pages on them just having a conversation in front of this jail. And, like, that's how I remember the issue. And then there's another two pages of them getting away and, like, everybody giving chase. And then we set up for another Sonic & Knuckles fight at the end. So not much happens but it's so good like there's nothing boring about it yeah i mean it's all essentially like one uh, scene if you will Mm, yeah it's all quite linear it goes from one to the next you know there's no time skips or anything like that in it or any need for um set up at the start like the enter knuckles story for instance we didn't have to have the little newsreader recap to set up this it's just everything just it starts and it just flows right through to the end you know we get time to have a little look in from basically the only notable character who's not in this is grimer you know we got the kinderboard we got amy we got johnny we got porker we got tails we got sonic we got knuckles we get to see what Robotnik's captivity looks like in like a page and a half. We get mm-hmm. to see the breakout, we get to see the ransoming, we get our big action beat where Sonic and Tails go after them in a little egg-shaped escape pod and Sonic spin attacks and takes it down. Yeah, we get an Ego vehicle, we yeah. get the Chaos Emeralds, we get the biplane, we get the floating island, we get a little bit of everything. And as simple and elegant as it is, we set the seeds of Robotnik and Knuckles' relationship breakdown. Yeah. I can't believe it! I finally got my hands on the chaos emeralds and the knuckles in the background one eyebrow cocked fist yeah. clenched but i'm keeping them right uh, yes sir yes of course uh, i'm as keen for you artists for them to be returned to their rightful home on the floating island oh this is good yeah there's tough oh, stuff it's just you're right it's a scene out of a longer story and this may be the first time stc certainly sonic has had the space to really do that and it just Oh, it feels so good to sit comfortably down in and go like, yeah, this is, we're in an ongoing story about these people now. And then, I mean, the cliffhanger is one of the best we've had in the book so far, you know, where Sonic spin attacks this egg capsule and it crashes on the floating island. He entails head down. Do you think they survived? Hold on, I saw something move. And then, Knuckles punches his way out of the machine. This is it, Hedgehog. You've gotten in my way for the last time. And it's like, well, I think he only got in your way once before. But still. 
Yeah, but that's the thing. From Knuckles' point of view, he's been told about this guy who's going to try and steal his Chaos Emeralds. He's done it. Then he's kidnapped his friend, put him in jail, been forced to hand over the Chaos Emeralds, and here he is again. Like, the recent period of Knuckles' life have been incredibly stressful and all because of this guy. And now it's going to come to a head. I love it. I love it. I did always get a chuckle out of Robotnik in that last panel as well. There's something not quite right there. I don't know if it's the exact shape or angle of the mouth or the way the teeth seem to overlap where his lips are, but he does a kind of a Muppet mouth. He does do a Muppet mouth. That's (laughs) that's exactly what he does. And it's... I like it. It's fun, but it's weird. But he's doing it as well on the first page in his first appearance. A very similar Muppety mouth with his tongue coming out of nowhere, his chin going off in a funny place. It's quite a cartoony approach to this new version of Robotnik. Yeah, but you see what's different about it there is the fact that the lower lip does protrude past where the teeth stop. Yes. So it still looks like it fits. Whereas here, the (laughs) teeth are very much out ahead of where the jaw ends. So it it is very... It is a very... It's very Muppety. The Muppet I'm thinking of, I think, is the ghost of Christmas present from, from the Christmas, Christmas Carol. Carol. He's got that kind of hinged jaw. Anyway, ignore me. Are you sure you're not thinking it's because he's a big ginger beard and mustache? It could be. <laughs> it could be that. Next, Sonic meets his match? Yes. Question mark? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Refuse Refuse I love this review of Hardball for the Mega Drive by (laughs) David Gibbon. And I'll bet you are the same for one single solitary sentence here in the opening paragraph, which reads, Time Warner Interactive and Accolade were under the assumption that folk in the UK enjoy baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (sighs) lovely. Yes, this is a, this is another baseball game. I guess the way Gibbon writes it, it sounds like we'd only had one baseball game beforehand. It does, which doesn't was it? Yeah. RBI Baseball. That by, rings um, a bell. I seem to remember there being a certain amount of surprise at there being a baseball game in the UK at all. Yes, that was in a previous review zone, yeah. I think. And now Accolade has produced Hardball 94. And essentially, because there are only two of them, um, he just com- spends the whole review comparing them and concludes Hardball, not as good. Yeah. 28 major league ballparks... That's stadiums to me and the 700 real-life players, which includes their pictures, and the new 1994 realignment structure, whatever that means. <laughs> i got to say, I'm actually quite impressed by the fact that they have 700 real-life players and their pictures. That's a lot of data. That's all I was going to say, because it's not going to make a button bit of difference to the gameplay. <laughs> no, well, that's probably how they do it, is that yeah. all the actual sprite guys look the same as each other from where I'm looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never played Taz 2, which is the second oh. review here for the Mega I did play the original Taz and really well, enjoyed didn't. it, but no. to be honest, I don't know that I even knew this ex- I mean, I must have known it existed because here it is reviewed in yeah. my beloved STC, but until I think they mentioned it in a news zone a while back, until I read that again, I had lost all memory of there even being one. This one just seems to be the plot is that in this one, Taz is on Mars, otherwise it looks like uh, pretty much the same game. It's so weird that at that time, why is this weird to me? Why is this weird to me? I don't know, but it's weird to me for some reason that 
they used to make games of like Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures. That all makes sense to me. But then when you get to the characters that are a bit more like they've got a wider body of work, so you can't just make Bugs Bunny because that's not a single show. Yeah, with it's a single... Bugs Bunny in something. Yeah, or Daffy Duck in. And something. they keep coming up with this stuff that's like Taz. Now he's on Mars. Well, to be fair, this is a sequel, and it's not too unusual for a sequel. That's true. And I think later we're going to have another one of these games, but it's going to be an advert. So I'll talk about that when we get there. Oh yes. And then there's the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, I was, I was, I mean, first of all, sounds like it was great crack. 90% review, sounds like a lot of fun. Hulk never been my favourite Marvel character or anything, but this sounds like it was top crack. I mean, it's funny that the review decides to start by explaining who the Hulk was to kids. You see, that made me spin off onto a whole Twitter thread where I was whinging about these endlessly ongoing character franchises, because yeah, here we are 26 years ago explaining to the kids here's a really old comic and yeah a couple of decades ago it used to be on the tv and now for some reason if that's the backdrop if that's the current state of the character it is kind of odd that they're making a mega drive game about it but that's the thing that's right see then we both find it funny but we find it funny for different reasons Mm -hmm. because boomers transform and listen up because it's time for mcfeely's marvel manifesto so this is 94, yeah. and we're in the UK specifically. Yeah. So while the X-Men and the Spider-Man cartoons have started in the... I mean, Marvel superheroes weren't... Those cartoons, I think, were essentially responsible for giving those characters like a wider stage in the yes. UK before the current crop of movies. Like, there wasn't a lot of action for those characters. No. Um, Spider-Man's comic wound up being combined with Zoids back in the 80s. He was such a, an uninteresting property in the in the 80s. The way they talk about it here, it's obvious the Hulk didn't have a comic at the time. Kids our age learned a lot about what the X-Men were and what Spider-Man was, and the Hulk cartoon was still a little ways away from starting up. Yeah, but, but in the UK in the X-Men, it was either just about to start Mm -hmm. or had only just started. It was still a few years behind its launch in the US. But anyway, the reason I found it funny was before those cartoons, and in particular before the big surge of 21st century superhero movies beginning with X-Men, the Hulk was unquestionably the most famous Marvel character in popular culture, precisely yeah. because of that TV show. Because of the TV show, yeah. Which is why I don't think they actually needed to start this review That's by explaining thing. who the Hulk was. That's the thing. Because I, I knew, knew exactly who the Hulk who it was. was, and I, I, used... didn't read, no. I didn't read superhero comics at the time yet. I didn't know there was a comic. I just thought it was the TV show The Incredible you just Hulk. Knew it was the... Yeah, yeah, they didn't need to actually no. explain to us who the Hulk He's the one Marvel character that you didn't need to explain who he was to. Us. Yeah, you're right there. The TV show turned him into like a pop culture touchstone. Like the idea of being a Hulk or reacting with rage and transforming, it's like it's part of popular culture as a result of that TV show. Yeah, yeah. Weird, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I couldn't have told you who Tyrannus, the Absorbing Man, the Abomination, and the Rhino were. I could now. I can tell you <laughs> who one of those is now. Is it the Rhino? It's the Rhino. And and even if I didn't know who it was. If I would guess, I'd be right. If you were challenged to draw a picture of what you think a supervillain called the Rhino might look like. Is it a bloke (laughs) who dresses up as a rhino? Yes. You'd get pretty close, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, and then they tell you that there's a game. And and, and, as you say, it sounds like it was a good game. Yeah. Never played it. Might seek it out. Yeah. Room for improvement on the sound, but best platform game of the year so far. Yeah, that's high praise indeed. 90%. Not that the numbers mean anything, but 90%. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and actually, I'm sorry. Best platform game of the year so far. 
Is it not the year of Sonic 3? <laughs> oh, the cheek. Oh, the cheek. It's the year of Fantastic Adventures of Dizzy, Chris. <laughs> I thought it was Fantastic Dizzy, dude. It is. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know that. Just a madbird. Just a This is weird, right? Because the ad following the review zone is for Sonic the Poster Mag number six yes. on sale now. now. And this is the first we're hearing of it. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah, no previous alert. So you can assume <laughs> that the issue either came out this week or the previous week. But we didn't know because uh, there's no record of its release date. No. Hungry for more badnik busting action? Took into Sonic the Poster Mag number six on sale now. Price 145. Oh, the, oh hey, price of Sonic the Poster Mag has gone up 10p. Plus an all-new giant-sized poster. No, that's not plus nothing. That is the product. Don't yeah. try and sell me on the idea that the poster is a bonus somehow that I'm getting in addition. No, that's what it's for. If they'd already started rerunning the posters, we'd have words at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but we will not be doing a special no. about this one, because we decided that we after, did, after we? the last episode turned out, what was it, less than 15 minutes long? Something like that, yeah. And that, with a bit of stretching. I padded it out to 15 minutes, yeah. Yeah, there are only four more poster mags. So um, we'll just do a special episode about all four of them at the end of the year when they're all done. Yeah. Because they all come out now in the, in the, over the rest of 94. I think basically from here on, it's about, well, this is September, October, November. December. Yeah, I think maybe they all run till January and then that's it. Right, so right. early next year, we'll do a, a, a final episode for the poster mags looking back at uh, the remaining four. Oh, gosh. Just then, as we were talking about, the thing that this podcast is supposed to elicit happened to me. But we've been doing this podcast has kind of become normal for me now. Mm, mm, mm. So, like, I don't always get the rush of nostalgia anymore. But as I was thinking about, like... Like, oh, what was 1995 like for STC? And I just suddenly got this 94 feeling. It just descended on me. Poster mags. I was I, I remembered the newsagent, you know, the layout of it. The American oh, yes. fruit pastels, the poster mags, the stickers. Oh. Oh, the newsagents I used to buy mine from is still there now. Layout's all different now, but, I but wonder, it's still there. I've not been back in a while. Next time I go there, which goodness knows when that'll be, back to my old hometown, I shall uh, endeavour to go down there and see if they're still open. Actually, now that I think about it, it was right around now... Because I was getting it capped at the newsagent. He's got a look on his face. right around now that I had to cancel the order <laughs> at that newsagent because they weren't getting it in fast enough. <laughs> I can remember it was the issue you'll remember the cover where in the chemical plant zone in his zone runner jacket uh-huh. gosh could that possibly even be next yeah, issue it could be couldn't it could be next issue or if not next issue one of the very next couple of issues that it was in other shops and I went up to get it from my news agents and they didn't have it and I gave it a little bit and then one day I went in if it's not there yet you can cancel my order for it and then I had to scrounge around the rest of the time to try and desperately find somewhere that still had it yeah X days after it had actually been that's released that's the risk isn't it I genuinely at this point I can't remember where I took to picking it up after that I might have still gone up to the news agents to see if they had it but yeah. at least if they didn't I wouldn't be tied into it yes it was right around now hmm. well Mutant League. Mutant League. Mutant League. Mutant League. Mutant League. Bring me the head of Coach Bricker, part five. Written by Steve White and Brian Williamson. Art by Anthony Williams. Colours by Steve White. And letters by Tom Frame. Zalgor Prig double crosses KT Slayer and reneges on their deal leading Slayer to team up with the Midway Monsters to break into Prig's fortress and steal back Coach Bricker's head. 
However, Slayer then immediately betrays the monsters and challenges them to one big winner-take-all game, the Midway Monsters vs Prig's Robot Warriors, programmed with Bricker's tactical skills, now at Slayer's command. What do we got to say about this one? Do you know, I think I must have read this faster than I should have done, because I'm struggling at the moment to remember much about it. You know, I'm doing exactly the same. This is the one now, part five, where some new plot has actually happened. Yeah. After four issues, well, one issue of setup, three issues of chase, now there's a plot turn that's happened. Well, the thing about Mutant League is that it's kind of like a sane version of Pirate STC, in that even while the plot is happening, people are firing off one-liners that sort of 80% connect with what's happening, and 20% don't. I think comparing it to Pirate STC is a bit much, but... I agree with you, fair enough. I mean, gener- generally speaking, I think that the one-liners all land. Are there any examples of ones? It's not that they don't land, it's that they're so one-linery that they kind of strike me as being a separate thing from the story that I'm oh, reading. yeah, it's- I got you, that they're so isolated that it doesn't feel like that they're part yeah, of it yeah as a yeah. result of that i sometimes end up sort of not fully following what's going on because i just get lost that's my brain not their writing but hey i still really love the shapesiness of the mm-hmm, art in mm-hmm. this my favorites being second page as we see one of the skulls side on and we can see right through the side of it like behind its teeth there's this huge (laughs) arch reaching to the back of the jaw that you can just see the sunlight gleaming right through i really like the one on page four when katie slayer grabs dr whiz around the throat with one hand oh yes and his his entire fist closes around this scientist's pencil neck but then he does the you know his face scrunches up and his tongue sticks out yeah yeah silently too not not even no no irk or gap speech trouble or anything the physicality of it (laughs) it's all coming through in the art there's no need for any sound effects or speech bubbles to sell the action yeah and shapes wise it's he's this big clump on one side and then there's this Mm. long line of arm and muscle reaching out to grab him at the other side with a totally blank background and then a couple of panels down from that you've got these two not really silhouette but like head on and colored all in purple guys running one of whom doesn't have a head and it's again just shapes it's all good this guy creates shapes really interesting yeah. and really well. For the people from the audience, we should just say that <laughs> the way they break into the fortress is Dalgoprig steals the head, slams the door in KT's face, and uh, then Bones says, Oh, tough break. Listen, I got an idea. You know that old song, you know, about the leg bone being connected to the hip bone, the hip bone being connected to the backbone? Uh, yeah, so what? So unless you agree to help us get the coach's head back, they're going to have to rewrite a verse or two once we're finished with you. You get it? Uh. Got it. <laughs> I like it. And then they get through the door by the Razor Kid says, Like a diamond, even the toughest door has a weak spot. All we need is a football or some similar object. And they, they take Grim, the other skeleton, they take his head and Katie, and the sound effect is just, Punt! <laughs> and, <laughs> and he cracks, he just hits the right spot on the door and it crumbles before him. Again, a wonderful silhouette shot against a white background yeah. of him doing the big kick, punting the skull towards the door. Really great shot. I love the uh, the bit there where um, then we cut to the inside just as they're beating on the door from outside and Zalgor Briggs listening to the noise. What's that noise? Surely those lunkheads aren't still trying to breach my impregnable fortress. And Dr. Wiz just to the side goes, oh, heaven for fan <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things i say i wonder if i got it from this i don't think i, I know right i, think so. I feel like i maybe got it from my mum <laughs> i think i got it from my mum yeah 
Oh, heaven forfend. When you say, but mum, there won't be time for me to eat all these pastels. Oh, heaven forfend. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so these are good jokes. And then we get whenever Slayer comes smashing in, snatches Brick's head away, Brick turns on the auto guns and they can't aim straight. And he makes the joke, last time I send my weapons to the Imperial Stormtrooper Gunnery School. And yeah, I chuckle at that. But it feels <laughs> like it's an entirely different kind of joke aimed at somebody different than what the rest of this physical comedy is because so i i completely missed that i just skimmed over it you've introduced me to that joke for the first time i didn't know we were doing that joke back then that's you know? part of it yeah because we were 12 and we yeah. knew what the hip bone connected to the leg bone etc yeah. was but if you were a 12 year old in the uk in 1994 there was a solid chance you had no idea what an imperial stormtrooper was yes I didn't. I didn't. Uh, sure, I didn't see Star Wars until the special editions came out a few years after this. I did, but only because the year before the special editions, they released them on video with a lot of for the last time ever pomp and mm. circumstance, and that's when I watched them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it does feel like it's a whole kind of what you were saying about how it feels like a separate thing that's not aimed at the same as the rest of the jokes in the hit bone oh he kicked the skeleton's head through the door, you know, and then it's like Star Wars. There was a very good iteration of the stormtroopers can't shoot anyone joke in the mandalorian but like we now know that was 26 years at least of that joke being an old joke <laughs> <laughs> let's come up with something new to talk about internet <laughs> like sonic the hedgehog comics from 1994 <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's funny because then there's a joke on the next page that's also not a joke directed at kids which i know i didn't i reading mm. it here now was genuinely the first time i ever got it i never got it as a kid a door starts to descend to block their escape the razor kid uh -huh. points it out and bone says time to make like a shepherd and move the sheep or something like that you don't know what the you you have a look on your face that says I don't I don't get it I I mean I know the you know make like a leaf. make like a shepherd and get the flock out of here oh I don't know that is oh that, well there you go you see is that a general thing or is it from something no I think it's just a general thing it's like make like a tree and huh. leaf or, like I know those I mean, yeah make like a tree and get out of here yeah no exactly this is the and I wondered if it was one of them if it's just make like a and then they can't do the joke properly hmm. that's I like that. I like it. I like that. Okay, thank you. You've educated me on a joke I should already have known and didn't. Hooray! <laughs> huh. and, uh, I'm, just yeah. having, I'm just sitting back and contemplating. Just huh, get the flock out of consuming here. Consuming the joke. Yeah, I get it now. Wash over yeah. you. I see. Yeah. Because flock sounds like fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. What do you mean? Flock doesn't sound anything like a sonic spring noise. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, they all spill outside, and then a, a big screen emerges out of the ground. Where's that screen coming from? And it's uh, Slayer broadcasting from inside, saying, "One, uh, what, what are his stakes? Uh, the championship of Mutant League football and Brenda Bricka's hand in marriage." And the monsters agree, not realizing that uh, KT Slayer, after grabbing him round the throat, has co-opted Doctor Whiz to put the robots that. He was programming with Bricka's tactical knowledge at his command. Next issue, read the comic, buy the toys. It's Stunty Combined Carnaformabots. TM. Uh, yes, now, can you remember what that refers to? Well, it's a Transformers joke. That much I get, but I mean, do they bring in some Transformer jokes? I don't think they do anything more than the name. Like, Stunty is, is the Stunticons from Transformers, oh. and Combino, the, the Stunticons were combiners, and they were also cars, and they were formers, and they were robots. And, uh, yeah. 
there's only the stunty bit that I didn't yeah, get. Yeah, it's, it's it's an oddly specific pool, isn't um, it? Given yeah. that the rest of it is all just sort of very generic sort of transformery type terms. In fact, were it not for the form up in the middle, you wouldn't even really think Transformers at all. <laughs> no, exactly. So did Steve White stroke Brian Williamson do any work on Transformers? Oh, Steve, yeah, yeah. Steve White worked ah, on Transformers. There we go then. That'll be why. That's probably it, isn't it? I never really put that together until you just said it. But yeah, that, that's why, isn't it? <laughs> that's why. Yeah, I don't know, don't know why this one washed over me and sort of left my mind as soon as I finished reading it. But I'm glad that now going back to it together, we have yeah. entertained ourselves with it. It's good. It's, yeah, I quite like it. That's, that's, that's a yeah. fun one, Mutant League. News Zone. Pretty straightforward news zone this time around. Yep. We got Urban Strike. Yep. We've already talked about that. Talked about so a, much at this point. It's like I was amazed to see it here because I was like, yeah. I feel like you've told us enough about this yeah. dying game. You don't need to dedicate half a page to it. I was asking you about how you can be a yeah. little man running around in the buildings. Yep. That must have been a preview zone. I think it was just in the news zone, but this oh. time they have a screenshot. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Although I think maybe they did in fine. the past too. I had Urban Strike. Yes. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Pagemaster. I bet you've got something you could tell us about Pagemaster, dude. Yeah, I have. Pagemaster is so hard that I never got past level one. And I tried. Really? I didn't think you'd played it. I just thought you'd have some sort of general opinion. But I'm glad to know you played it. We had the Pagemaster game and it was one of those games where, like, in those days, it was the sort of game that was so hard and just so egregious that if it was these days, I would have played it once and thrown it straight mm. out the window or uninstalled it in mm. today's parlance. But back then, it was one of the games we had, so naturally you played it a load of times. We struggled. We worked. And I think my brother may have got to the second level at some point, but I never did. It was so hard. Oof, well. It's just a platformer, but there was just something about it. Maybe I'll dig it out and do a stream to see what was so hard about it, but, like, it was just relentless and brutal. But well animated as they go on about here it's one yeah. of those games where they've got professional animators mm, they hand drew everything and then converted it to uh, sprites it says it's interesting that we're not calling game animators professional animators yet they can just say professional animators and we know what they mean is people with desks and paper that yeah, are yeah. flipping the pages back and forth between their fingers you people know, who were like, actually drawing it not making the art on a computer the cheat fake way yeah exactly <laughs> But if you look at the top of the page, there's the full animation of Ooh. him like having sticky hands. So you would climb along the ceiling or something. I can't remember, but you've got these sticky green slime on your hands. And he's obviously squelch, squelch, squelching away his way along the ceiling. And then if you stop still, that slime starts to stretch out and you start to fall down. And you can just see, I think, from the frames of that animation that they've lined up along the top here, it's good. Yeah. You can see the movement in it. So, yeah, very good to look at. They spell Macaulay Culkin's name wrong. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin. Culkin, like a cauliflower. <laughs> yeah. Macaulayflower Culkin. Macaulayflower Culkin. Macaulayflowery Culkin. And then they double down on it. The next paragraph yeah, yeah. is, in the film, Culkin plays Richard Tyler. So that's what they thought his name was. Yeah, they did. And they talk as well about the film mixes live action with animation with Richard, that's Macaulay Culkin's character, exploring three different domains, horror, adventure, and fantasy, and meeting such fictional characters as Mr. Hyde, Frankenstein's monster, Long John Silver, and the Big Bad Wolf. And I can tell you, the Big Bad Wolf, at least, isn't in that film. Is it? I'm pretty sure it's not. It's just in the game, I think. Do you know what? 
I was just thinking like, really? I think I can picture the big bubble. And then I realized, yeah, there's a screenshot of him just here. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. And the same goes for Frankenstein's monster, actually, as well. But it does seem that these were designed for the film and then didn't make it into the finished cut. So that's fun. That's one of those things where the adaptation winds up including things that didn't make it into the finished cut. I love that stuff. We've just discovered that there is a colouring book of the Page Master that may have the Big Bad Wolf in it. I can't find that. That may be a bit of uh, problematic Google results, just blending together different things available on Etsy. But I know for a fact that the Super Mario Brothers movie colouring book had some shots in it that didn't make it into the final film so oh same for the transformers the movie comic book adaptation ah <laughs> uh, there you go it does happen things like that were so fun and weird back in a day yeah, but, i mean not quite as much in our youth mm. because or certainly now in our like 11 12 years old when mm. the home video was yeah becoming quite common but you only have to go back a few years to well for instance mid 80s for something like transformers just to give a reference where yeah, sometimes you had to kind of settle for the comic book adaptation or the novelization. Yeah, that was what you had. Because video was prohibitively expensive or didn't even exist at all. Yep, you used to read along to the comic while playing the movie soundtrack on you, yeah. on your tape player. Like the famous story of how basically the Star Wars comic book adaptation sort of saved Marvel from bankruptcy back oh. in the, the late 70s. Oh, wow. And how that was, uh, goodness knows when Star Wars was first. Fit- well, I'm 100% sure there are. Many, many people who first knows when Star Wars was put out on video. But I don't. And you don't. I don't. <laughs> but I do. The first full release of Star Wars onto home video was in May 1982, a full five years after the film first debuted in theaters. So instead, you owned the comic adaptation of a thing. Or something like that. I mean, I remember the two events in my life. Here's a little bit of nostalgia spin-off chat. The two events in my life when I learned yeah. about scenes being deleted from films, right? One was there's a bit in the Super Mario Brothers movie where King Koopa is shouting at the Marios and he's got them trapped and he's going to de-evolve them into prehistoric beings, right? And that's bad. And then they push him and he slides around on a big pile of slime on the floor that's covering the whole floor and he falls into the machine himself. Now, I was watching this on video in the summer of what must have been 1994 and going, wait a minute, where'd that big pile of slime come from that covers the entire floor of this room we've been in the whole time? And no slime got there. It wasn't there a minute ago. Now it's there. Rewound the video. It's not there. Uh... And then I remembered, hang on, I've got the novelization in my bedroom. And I looked it up. And in that bit, in the book, what it says happened is Cooper gets annoyed at one of his guards, puts him in the machine, and de-evolves him down to primordial slime, which goes all over the floor. And that's what he slips in. And I was like, I've just figured something out here. There's a scene been cut from the film there, but I didn't know. Had it been cut, I didn't remember ever seeing that happen. I'd remember that sort of thing. That's just the sort of special effect I was into. Yeah. But was, was it, it cut, cut from, from the, video? the video? Or had it been in the cinema? Yeah, now I know now that it hadn't, and I suspected then that it had never been in the cinema. But here's another one, and this one is interesting to me. And only me. Exciting, engaging, profound. It's time for your content. Dave's interesting stories. Hook. When I went to see Hook, you know how you just come out of a film when you were a kid in a general haze and you don't actually, like, remember any particular bits? You just remember you had a lovely time? There was one bit that I remembered in Hook, like a line, like word for word, and it was the bit where Robin Williams, Peter Banning, I believe his name is, and his wife, Moira Banning, I believe her name is, are arguing in, I think, Granny Wendy's house, unless she comes to their house, but anyway, and they're arguing because he's on the phone being a businessman all the time and he's missing his family's life and Moira says to him and I can't remember if the word that she says is damn it but 
the way I remember it is she says, Damn it, Peter, I'm just trying to say, have fun. And that line just stuck with me. And then it came out on video, and the line wasn't there. And I was like, huh? but that's the only line I remember, and I remember it clearly. And I wouldn't make that up, I'm just trying to say, have fun. So I went upstairs and I got out the novelization. <laughs> Terry Brooks, good one, very good one. And no, the line's uh. not in there anywhere either. And it's uh. never surfaced on the internet. And I've never found anyone who thinks that line has ever existed. So if you are in the knows about deleted scenes from films community, anyone who's out there who knows about this stuff, let me know. Did Moira Banning ever say, damn it, Peter, I'm just trying to say have fun. And I now realize they cut it because of the word damn it. I'm, that's probably what she said. Or did or it exist at all? Did they? Exactly. I mean, because, and I wanted on record that I have other points of reference in popular culture. <laughs> But the Transformers. The Transformers movie. <laughs> On the Amiga. <laughs> so many people will swear blind when they saw the Transformers film in cinemas that Optimus Prime's dead body crumbled to dust and blew away, but it never did. It never, never did. No, we have seen the storyboards for the film. Huh. No, it did not happen, but many people will tell you it did. I have heard that one over and over again, mm. and not always as people talking about how some people think it did. Like, I've heard it just said as a fact. Well, it didn't. So there you go. <laughs> well, I never. It's weird how memory can sort of collectively cheat like that. Yeah. That would have I mean, been cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is a character whose dead grey body crumbles to dust and blows away a scene later. So. Oh, there you go. That's <laughs> where they're getting it from, right? The weird tricks memory plays on you. Ah, no, I totally remember a much more violent version of Transformers, the movie, where they were swearing and Spike's dad got torn limb from limb by the cassettes. That's what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say that, like, you know, people swear blind that Optimus, Pr Octopus Prime, that Optimus Prime turned grey and then his dead body went, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Prime, you can't die? Bullshit, I can't. Look, we haven't even finished the news zone. Um, well, the other thing in the news zone is um, Theme Park is coming to the Mega Drive, and I believe we have discussed that, and the sheer weirdness of a pointer-based game being released on the Mega Drive. Exactly, because on the Amiga, that game made perfect sense. Yeah. But my main Sonic friend had Theme Park on the Mega Drive, and a lot of fun was had, so apparently it was playable. perfectly. I can imagine, actually, because it was more about dragging out blocks in different directions than going around with a mouse and quickly clicking things. Thing. So uh, yeah, I can imagine that did work. And then we have short bursts. Yeah, and it's just basically a sort of checklist updates of what's going yeah. on with video games at the minute. Yeah, because it opens with any idea what US Gold's Rough Racer might be about? And the next bit is where are they now? For those of you who may be wondering what happened to all those interesting sounding Virgin releases mentioned <laughs> over the past few months. So th this is stuff that's like, what's going on? What have we got? Frankly, whenever I see a list of things in STC going what's happening with this game? Surely it should have been out <laughs> by now. I am instinctively driven to check what did happen with this game. So uh -huh. the short version is that first of all, US Gold's Rough Racer, far as I can tell, was only ever released in arcades. Ah. Um, nothing on the Mega Drive or the Game Gear under that name that I could see, so unless it got renamed. Yeah. Then under the Virgin section, big fat shock to hear that the gambling simulation Caesar's Palace <laughs> for Game Gear has been released in America but put on hold in the UK. Yeah. Huge shock. 
Yeah, funnily enough, it only ever was released in North America. I'm pretty sure we discovered it was one of the least well-reviewed Game Gear games ever or something. I don't think reviews have much to do it when they can literally <laughs> say it's a gambling simulation. <laughs> yes. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Someone started using a drill outside. That's good. Yeah. A pneumatic drill, you know. Oh, yeah. I think I cool. hear it. Well, it's the summer and it's going to happen. Oh, you know what? I can't tell if it's on your end or my end because someone's revving a lawnmower outside mine. <laughs> <laughs> There's a game here that they've called World 2 Heart of the Alien for the Mega CD, which says it's definitely still on the way. First of all, the full title of that game is Another World 2, which is the (laughs) sequel to Another World. Yeah, it sounds like it is. It would only ever come out in North America, where it was just called Heart of the Alien, because in North America, Another World was called out of this world. Oh, yeah, of course it was. So, well, that's why it's called World 2 here. They're like, yeah, the world franchise. Well, I think it's probably just supposed to say Another World 2 and they accidentally left that off the well, first bullet But it point. makes me wonder, if it's called Another World in one area and Out of This World in another area, the word world is the only bit that the whole true, thing is definitely true. called. So, you know, if it even lost that, then who knows what its working title was. I read that this game uh, swapped roles and placed the player in control of the character named Buddy from the first game, uh, which is the character that Game Grumps viewers will know as Mike Uba, I discovered. Uh, Terminator did come out. And then I was puzzled by Spot Goes to Hollywood, which they say here is the third cool spot release to come from Virgin, the third. Still uh, uses an isometric perspective viewpoint, but unfortunately it's grown too big for the Mega Drive and is now in development solely for the 32X and no doubt the Saturn. Well, it did come out on the Mega Drive, and not the 32X. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. And also, when trying to figure out what the deal with them calling it the third one was, instead uh-huh. of the second... The second one. Apparently, yeah. there were a bunch of other Cool Spot games released before Cool Spot. Oh, that's true. There was what... Yeah, Cool Spot was the second Cool Spot game, yeah. wasn't it? Because he had a sort of tile-swapping puzzler or something. There was one called Spot the Video Game, which was released uh-huh. on a bunch of different systems, which is probably that one. But then there was also a game called Spot the Cool Adventure, which was a kind of a Doki Doki Panic of a game called MC Kids. Virgin weren't the only ones responsible for it. I think someone else made the game and then Virgin published it. So I guess that's how it works. They're not counting that one. But MC Kids is the Mick and Mac McDonald Land game. <laughs> and then, then they end with an interesting beat of the... Uh, Uh, Question time. Not that we want to worry you, but lately there's been a lot of talk in the industry of cartridge sales for all consoles not being as healthy as they used to be. Is it because the players are getting tired of the same old stories being dressed up in new clothes? Is it the absence of value for money? Or is the ever-imminent arrival of the next generation of consoles holding everyone back? STC is interested to hear your feedback. Any ideas? probably was the last one wasn't it yes it'll be the fact that everyone knew the playstation was about to come out but like yeah i guess it's just that in the tail end of a console's life you do maybe slow down investing in it or at least you did in those days but i do not I think mean, they of were this. still making mega drive games for quite a while yet and yes you were about to say what i was thinking sonic this isn't the tail end of the mega knuckles. sonic and knuckles isn't even out yet <laughs> From our on-the-ground perspective in 1994, I mean, I feel like we've had to say this a few times, and it's probably only going to get <laughs> our, worse. Our incorrect perspective. No, it was a very authentic on-the-ground perspective yeah. of the people who were there and lived yeah. it. But then again, another thing that we're discovering is that stuff that we thought took a very long time, like these stickers coming out and stuff, actually happened earlier than we thought, so... Like, I wonder if we're just expanding this whole era in our minds and actually it all went by really fast. Like a bad influence end credits data burst and we used our sped up childish brains to look through it frame by frame. Well, I mean, it did, 
But what is reality? (laughs) (laughs) That's the question of this podcast, I think, ultimately. You know, it's like we were there and we experienced and that's how long it took and it took as long as it felt and it felt as long as it took and that's just how it was. (laughs) Luminous beings are we. (laughs) This crude matter. Oh, speaking of we trolls, <laughs> yeah, the uh, we got four adverts in a double page spread. The first page is split horizontally, the second page is split vertically, mm. so it's a cluttered layout. Yes, rather. The first one we've got is attention, all Russ troll fans. Yeah. If you don't know, those are the little trolls that have got the sticky up rainbow colored hair that these yeah. days they're making films about. Yes, um, in those days, a doll. Yeah, to hear them called Russ trolls was weird that is weird we just called them trolls yeah well that, that's the company i think that manufactured them at the time well, not the, the company is... that created them or anything just the company that was producing them at the time oh is that right because it's been through a few license holders at the... i think Dreamwaves. Dreamwaves. i wanted on record that i have other points of reference in popular culture i think dreamworks might actually own trolls now i I'm sure they do, yeah. I don't think they just licensed the property for the film. I think they might actually own it. I, I think so. But, like, the problem is that all this time, whenever you wanted to talk about those trolls, you had to say, trolls, you know, and then start describing them until everyone knew what you were talking about. With the hair. Because they're little, collectible, plastic toy trolls. They started out about... I don't think you need to explain to the audience what trolls are. There's a film out. Are you sure? Because... Yes, but the film has changed them so radically oh, that not only not, do they not resemble little, what we're thinking of. Don't resemble. The old ones were a bit uglier. They're still exactly the same little proportions, big wide heads, buggy eyes, tufts of hair. They're exactly the Fair same. They're just Fair enough. As long as our listeners know that those films are based on toys that used to be out, then I'm satisfied. How could anybody our age listening to this not know that? They were everywhere. Oh. They were there. They're a universal aspect of popular culture as well. Well, here in the UK, I don't know what it's like in America. Oh, that's true, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we had trolls in the US. I had a troll pencil topper when I was a kid. And there are, we have younger listeners. We have some. Not many. Yeah, but, the, but if they're younger, then there's a the film, right? Yeah, but they say, okay, what I'm trying to establish is that before <laughs> okay, that film, right, it's like if you didn't know there was My Little Ponies before Friendship is Magic, you know, it's something yeah, like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, fair enough. But anyway, what I want to say about them is that my school went through a phase Ooh. of these being the thing, um, but not the sort of... What size would you say these trolls used to be? About like that, right? They were like... Yeah, I think by this point they'd got smaller. Yeah, that's it. Because the ones that we were into were the ones that were very mm, small. You could put them Just in your pocket. Put them in your pocket, like the size of the top segment of your thumb. Oh, I don't know about that small. I think they even came in eggs. Plastic eggs out of vending machines. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised... And I'm not researching the history of trolls no, enough to learn no. this. But I wouldn't be surprised if they were available in various sizes. But we had a proper phase of those anyway. So I had a couple in my pocket from time to time. And this is... Basically, it's a collector's official fan club. I love this list of... For an annual subscription of £5, you will receive... Well, first of all, an exclusive six-inch figurine. So they were oh. definitely making them at yeah. that size back yep. then. Presumably that includes the hair uh, in the height. But... Uh, <laughs> But you wouldn't know. A troll pencil topper, a troll pencil sharpener, your own personal membership certificate, and at least two action-packed newsletters. Oh, wow. At least two. Wow. At least two. For a year's subscription. I mean, look, for a fiver, it's not actually that bad. No, it's not bad at all. It's just the (laughs) use of the phrase at least two. It's like, well, 
You're not producing them on a schedule, guys. <laughs> yeah, just when we think of something. I mean, to be fair on them, what are they going to even say? On what? It's not going to be action-packed, I can tell you that now. No. <laughs> they had me in the first staff here, not going to lie, when it comes to your freebie. You have the choice. Well, first of all, right, on the coupon. I didn't read this. I'm surprised, Dave, that you've been scavenging this for mentions of Woolworths. <laughs> on the coupon, you check whether you're a boy or a girl. And it says you have the choice of either girl with kitten or biker figure. And I'm like, okay, so stereotypically gendered toys and a McDonald's yep. Happy Meal style thing. Yep. Please tick the appropriate box below. And I thought, oh, hey, huh. I kind of like that. You yeah. don't tick you're a boy and you get the boy toy. Yeah. You get to pick what toy you want. Then please note, hair colors may vary from those in the photographs. If no sure. box is ticked, girls will receive girl with kitten and boys biker. And I was like, ow! Uh, oh, you were doing so well. Uh, you were being so progressive. You were leaving the options open. And then you had to go yeah. and... i got to say, I'm going for girl with kitten. Because it's with kitten. I don't care about a biker. Give me a tiny toy that comes with an even smaller toy of a kitten. Yes. I would assume she's just molded to molded be part of, yeah, th <laughs> Nevertheless, that I'm still satisfied with that and I'm having girl with kitten. I'm going to look it up now. Okay, yeah, I'm for sure I'm getting girl with kitten. Hang on a minute. She's got the kitten in a little basket. It is molded to her, but she's got a little basket, little kitten in it. That's what I'm having. Well, let's have a look at the biker. <laughs> there's a point. There's a point. If he comes with a little kitten. <laughs> Russ Troll Biker. God, it's so unpleasant to physically look at those trolls. Here's Biker. I'm not interested. It's just a normal one with a stupid helmet on. Oh, he's got a hat, though. Yeah, who cares? Uh, I'd go for the one with the hat. That hat's going to come off, see, probably. That's an accessory. That's bonus content, that is. So I think, I think even actually looking at the trolls in this image of a pirate, a jester, and uh, it looks like some kind of racist oriental mystic, yep. the clothes are all fabric and they look to be removable. Huh. Trolls in it. Oh, oh, look at the pirate. Look, he's got a gun. Ooh, look at that. Yeah, if you can remove that. Listen, here's what I'm going to do, right? If you can remove the clothes of different trolls and put them on different trolls, I'm taking all the stuff off these two ones and basically putting all the accessories from Girl with Kitten on the pirate one so that Girl with Kitten can hold a gun. That is the ultimate troll. That's the one I want. And it honestly looks as if, through eBay, I might still be able to achieve this today. Now that's what I call Megatrolific. <laughs> it says here. <laughs> it does. Yeah, that's not just Chris being Megatrolific. I am more interested in the bottom half of this page, which is an advert yeah. for Zig and Zag yeah. Zogazine. New comic from the planet Zog. TV megastars Zig and Zag are heading your way in an all-new, all-bloomin' brilliant comic messes. <laughs> Completely fat-free, guaranteed low in cholesterol, honest, Canadian slimming only as part of a calorie-controlled diet. <laughs> Did you used to get this? You know, I didn't have any memory of it looking uh -huh. at this um, advert. Did do a Google. Yeah. Oh, the memories. Yeah. That suddenly cascaded back <laughs> over me. I found a scan of a strip from the second issue, which I know I had. The strip yeah. was called Zig He Played Guitar. And it was a, a <laughs> rock and roll documentary style parody of, of Zig like as a rising rock star. And all the songs were uh, David Bowie songs, but they were about sweeties and chocolate bars. There's a star bar waiting in the shops. <laughs> I definitely used to get this. And I remember there being two distinct art styles to this. I already had the Zig and Zag book. And that was drawn by one artist. And so when this came out and it was drawn by another artist, mm. I was like, mm -hmm, okay, that's different. But I loved the art in this. Yes, one of the artists was Dave Windet, who drew the tail Yeah, strip. that's the thing! But 
But that's not what I remember it looking like. I remember nope. it looking a very particular way. And yeah, the other one was uh, written by as well, and then drawn by uh, KFF Sutherland, who worked on the Beano, Red Dwarfs magazine, Doctor Who magazine, Viz 2000 AD, tons of stuff. Ah, uh, well, it's great. I absolutely love it. Yeah, the memories, as I say, they came whooshing back as I saw this. Uh... I've Googled Kev Sutherland, and I recognise his face. So I wonder if I've bumped into him at a Comic-Con or something. Possibly. Hmm. Sorry, I'm, I'm just looking at this scan of this thing, you know, where it's all done as if he was David Bowie. He made an unsuccessful film about someone who incorrectly wires a plug, and the film is the poster <laughs> is of Zig being electrocuted, and the film is called The, the Man, Man Who, who Failed, failed to, to Earth. Earth. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I promise Absolutely I wasn't looking at it. <laughs> stellar stuff. <laughs> that's good. And then over on the facing page are the more boring ads that aren't about zigzag. We've seen this. What? There's one for sensible soccer being reviewed. We've seen it before. Well, actually, it's a slightly different version of it, but it's basically the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on the others, this is the one you want to talk this about. This is the one I was to well, not talk much about, but yeah, it's literally just the whole banner, top to bottom, is just a standard stock picture of Sylvester holding Tweety Pie and going ah at him. And it just says, catch us both on the Mega Drive. Sylvester and Treaty in KG Capers. No screenshots, no mention of what the game is. It's yet another, the Looney Tunes characters are in a game. Get it for that reason only. Yep. (laughs) Tales, Zone Runner and the Flock. Part 1, script by Mark Isles, art by Roberto Corona, lettering by Elita Fell. While on a mission in the chemical plant zone, Sonic and Tails are attacked by unknown assailants and become separated. Tails winds up in the inner sanctum of Nutzan Bolt, robotic ruler of the zone and servant of Dr. Robotnik, who's plotting to flood the surrounding zones with Mega Mac. On you go then. Say something nice about this. Okay. One. Every single time in my entire life when I've ever heard the phrase nuts and bolts, I have gone nuts and bolt, and I haven't known why. Oh, oh yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, so it's nice to find out. Um, I will say something nice about this. I liked that it basically spent a while being <laughs> a Sonic, a Sonic and Tails strip yeah. instead of just a Tails one. Yes, they don't actually get separated until the third page, and Tails doesn't speak until the fourth page after oh. he's separated. So, I mean, he speaks elsewhere in the strip, but he doesn't. Oh. Once separated from Sonic, he doesn't have a lot of page space to whine about Sonic not being there. Because oh, don't forget, mean, yeah. this is a Mark Isles written Tails strip. So once again, we have Tails the whimpering infant. Mm. He has no idea what's going on around himself. Yeah, so the, at first you have basically it's a zone running strip, but yes. you know that I quite like those. It's the chemical no, plant. No, this zone. is cool. I mean, it's one page, you know, it's all good. Yeah, and they're they're hopping about. It's a cool like in media's res opening. The first yeah, thing yeah, you they've see, they've just blown up some kind of plant or pump in the chemical plant zone. <laughs> yeah, Don't you pump me. It's a yeah, it's a huge. <laughs> There's a huge explosion is the first thing you see. And then running away going, that'll slow down, Robotnik. And then after that, you know, they're zipping down pipes and getting separated and running around and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, even the idea of the introduction of Mega Mag, it's not just a zone running thing where it's like, oh yeah, the chemical plant zone is full of Mega Mag. Mm-hmm. They're establishing 
Mega Mag now before we then reveal on the last page that Nuts and Bolt is planning to flood the surrounding zones with it. So it's just set up and pay off. Yep. Nuts and Bolt's actual design, I kind of quite like. It's a bit decap right. The most yeah. interesting thing about yeah. Nuts and Bolt's design is the fact that he wears a necklace or a wreath of tiny robotic shrunken heads, which, yeah. like, in my gut feels a bit racist. Yep. But they are just robots. And apart from that itself, there's no iconography in his design no, or. It's or... just the fact that he has this necklace. Necklace of little Just a heads. Necklace of shrunken heads. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. Yeah, like I would have said shrunken first if you hadn't said it first. But so they are. That's what we read them as. But they could just be little robots. There's no reason they, to. Yeah. But he's wearing a necklace of. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you entirely. That's there's something about that. But if we approach it as he's just got this little team of that's what it is it's that he doesn't like them <laughs> yes yeah, so that's the impression i got that, yeah that these are like like disobedient servant robots that he plucked the heads off of yeah. and built a necklace out of as a sort of symbol of his power to anyone else who might dare step out of line yeah they feel conquered to me they don't feel yes. like friends or accessories they're not like sound waves little tapes they're not going to help him mm. Oh, um, look at you with your little Transformers you. I references. Know. I know. That's the, the only one I've got. You know, there are other things in pop culture to frame as references, Dave. <laughs> I wanted on record that... Yeah, I'm- that, so that's... I'm not sure about that, but if it didn't have any iconographic problems... I would like that as a really cool idea. Mm. It works for robots. The main yeah. thing that I don't like about this, I don't even think that Tails has enough time to be whiny that it gets to be a problem. No, what I don't like about this is Robotnik's gross human face. Oh, it's so nasty, isn't it? I'm just, like, I remember Corona being better in the future. This is Roberto Corona's first issue. Is that who it is? Yes. Yes. Bob Corona! Is that his first appearance? Yeah. Hey! And he'd get better, but he was never my favourite artist, even as a kid. And it's a rough start. Mm. Like, there are areas where you can see he really excels. Looking at it now, I love this four-panel sequence across the top of page three, where they whoosh Mm -hmm. down the tubes. And it's basically a stray shot from these mystery figures that one of them is a sheep. So, you know, if you remember any of this strip from the future, you'll know who it is. But right now, they're just mystery figures who open fire on them for no clear reason. And a stray shot hits the controls of one of those tubes that you know from the chemical plant zone after Sonic goes into it. So it winds up shooting tails off in a separate direction. I love the kineticism of this four-panel sequence on page three. Yeah. Big streaky trails behind them. And when we see the tubes diverge, like one shoots upward while Sonic's continues on straight, so tails goes off. And he's like, you really feel the speed in it. I think it sells it very well. And the uh, the upward climb, the gravity of it, it comes off very well. I just don't think he's very good at drawing Sonic characters. And as well, it's the camera angles, isn't it? There's three different mm, yep. kinetic camera angles from drastically different views of these pipes. That makes them look great. Yeah, you could be right. Um, he's not got his Sonic characters down yet. And mm. previously, we've had to give a couple of the artists time to get that sorted out. When people talk gushingly about Rob Corona from the STC fandom they'll post a picture from much later on where it's this lovely shot of like greenery and a zone with Sonic and Tails at the top and it's a great drawing so he obviously does get the hang of these characters I seem to recall that his style even his colouring style would would change as we went forward I don't remember a lot of Bob Corona stuff having this very solid almost cell shaded colouring look to it yeah you know, the shadows are all pretty much solid lines. There's no gradients or anything at work. Oh God, I'm looking at that Robotnik again and it's awful. 
Okay. It's the fact that he, he doesn't have the, the half-inflated balloon of a nose that the character model's supposed to have. He's yeah. got a gross, nasty, real-person nose that's the same colour as the rest of his face instead of that swollen, bulbous balloon red that it's supposed to be. Except the end of it is all ruddy and red like yeah. a real person like a real nasty, person swollen honker might be and the know? nose goes all the way up to between the brows it's basically a human face but warped to have the proportions of robotnik's face which makes it look so horrible and real he's yeah. got his pointy adventures of sonic head is more like if a skull could look like that it's gross and of <laughs> course he's got the dark eyes under what bob's drawn as giant eyebrows like ridges he's got any hair mm-hmm. on his eyebrows it's it's one of those times where someone doesn't quite know Robotnik and so draws him as a man and oof, it's always disturbing. I mean, I think the big standing recurring example of at this point of an artist who's not so hot with the Sonic characters is definitely Casanovas. Although even in this case, we've seen some big improvement from him recently on the Mysterious Traveler story versus the previous Tales issues. But at least with him, you had absolutely gorgeous vistas where his true strengths were coming across. Yeah. But I'm not sure where Corona's strengths lie based on this issue because that's not a particularly expressive or kinetic or explosive explosion. Yeah. That Nutsan has a very apart from the necklace of heads, which is a script idea, yeah. the design of Nutsan isn't very interesting to look at. It's a very bog-standard, clunky 1950s, spindly, beefy robot made of cylinders and spheres. Yeah, what I liked about it is the way that it has that decappy silliness when he's like steam coming out of his ears, eyes literally coming out because they're yeah, yeah, focusing lenses. You can really hear the... Yeah. The industrial whistle. Just flaps opening on the top of his head to indicate that he's angry. That's really funny. That's a really good robot joke. Uh, yeah, we should say the reason he gets angry is because the first line Tails has after this pipe that he gets separated from Sonic and spits him out in Nutsan's command center. Mm-hmm. Seems like poor design to me. Um, <laughs> the first line he says is, oh, Where's Sonic gone? And then Nutsan loses the head because he said the S word. And this is kind of, I remember, this This is Nutsan's thing. The S word. Right. The merest mention of the word Sonic drives him bonkers. <laughs> and then Tails closes out the issue with his usual aplomb and sterling language. <laughs> oh no, he doesn't look very friendly. What am I going to do? Oh, did it a deer? He might as well say, oh, did it a deer at the end of it. God, I hit him. Oh well. We're on part one of the story, so you've got a lot more to get through. The funny thing about this story, we'll talk more about it next issue, but next issue, Enter the Flock, as we found Uh out what the flock is. But for some reason, like, after this point, the thing about it is, it's not even really a teal serial, this serial. Right. It's called Zone Runner, it's a riff on Blade Runner, Runner, and he's going to wear Deckard's big coat. And the story's really more about these other characters, the flock. I feel as if, if I was Zone Runner in Deckard's big coat... I reckon I'd know this guy's a robot, you know. I think I'd be able to clock him straight away. Probably have that notion, yeah. yeah. It's the flames coming out of his metal nostrils that would give it away to me. Yeah. Oh, did he's not very friendly. Is that a robot? Are those my feet? <laughs> 
Time to go back in your box, Father. Photo zone. Not a graphic zone this issue, it's the photo zone. Apparently they had a positive response to SDC 34's photo zone, so here are some more. Another sonic zoom feast for you all. Zoom, like, you know, photos, like when you zoom with a camera. Oh, I get it, I get it. So we mostly have people in costume with this one. I'm glad that they've decided to bring back the photo zone, because the more photo zones there are, the more chance we have of finding someone that we know and can embarrass. I know, right. Sadly, (laughs) nobody this issue. Hannah Murray is the odd one out from Bridlington in East Yorkshire. She has a sonic cake. A a very impressive sonic cake, by the way. We've been hoping to see some more pictures of cakes, and I think (laughs) this one beats out any of the previous cakes. (laughs) Yeah, this is the full body sonic shot from the cover of Sonic 1, Japanese and You say full body? I mean, I I don't know if it's just the angle of the photo, but that cake looks about as big as her body, too. I mean, it does. Yeah, yeah. it looks like she's holding it up, but Mm. if so, she's holding it up at such an angle that there's a big danger of it's sliding off the table and going on the floor so i suspect there's yeah, more I work think, than yes, that it's sitting on a table and i think it's on the table and she's just poking she's up from behind poking it, her yeah. head up over the but, table uh, yes. what they've managed to do there is i'm guessing she's five years old because yes because there are uh, five candles one in each of sonic spikes and one on his tail it's brilliant what a great concept she must have been entirely made up and it's all really good it's done with icing obviously it looks like sonic i, I want that cake i want to chomp down on that yeah it's a nice yeah. bit of work then the other ones we have here are costumes. Uh, Oliver Lysett from Wolverhampton has... Uh, he's wearing a proper yeah. son. It's like a... Oliver's mum put yeah. in the work on this one. Yeah. This is not... So, like, I don't want to do down Alexander Sofers' mum, right? No, no, not in the slightest, but this is basically a Sonic fursuit. Exactly. The next one that we're going to see, which I want to compare it to, because it's just easier that way, is tracksuit trousers and a sort of pyjama top. Yeah. Done up to look like Sonic with some paper spikes just cut out of a single piece of paper going down mm-hmm. his back. And even a bit of, like, what's that little clump of, like, tagging on his shoulder? Is that what it's tied on with? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Now he has got a... Uh, oh, it's a backwards blue baseball cap. It's a backwards blue baseball cap with some more cardboard spikes stuck on it. And then it seems to be a, a mask made of cardboard as now, well. Now, it's an elaborately made mask. They've stuck ears to the front oh, yes. of that and everything. And he's got the gloves on and everything. Like, really, they had every reason to celebrate. But they're put yeah. next to Oliver Lysett uh, yeah. with his full head on full yes it's a huge big full bone fursuit or mascot style suit head that's yeah yeah. proportionately as large as it should be to his torso he must be sweltered under there and ready to fall over it must be yeah 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 i don't know how you achieve this sort of thing Mm. certainly not back in 1994 when the work of the furry fandom hadn't yet been done to achieve you know like sports team level mascot skills well we should say it's a head and a body piece but then he's just wearing blue trousers and ordinary red shoes of course with uh, bare arms and white gloves it's not not literally a full body fursuit as it should be done but the head is the toughest thing for any sonic cosplay to get right so the fact that this is where they've centered their efforts it's completely round and it makes me wonder if it's been built around a ball or something Oh, something like that, I'd say, yeah. Papier mache a balloon or something. Sterling work. Is a starting point. Very and good. then under them, Matthew Fox strikes a pose. Yeah, he's really spin attacking, isn't he? He is. If he's Sonic, he's spin attacking. If he's a human, he's just poking his ass into the air. Yes, but <laughs> six of one. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that's a full body 
not fursuit style, not with a big mascot head, but an all-over bodysuit. It's a onesie. He's a wearing a onesie. onesie. A, a hooded onesie with... Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's got the fully stuffed fabric spikes. Mm. Just one well, row, but, work from you know, there. there's only so much we can ask of anyone. I don't ever expect a Sonic cosplay Indeed. to have more than one row of spikes. No, oh, these days I do, but not back in 1994 when it was people's parents making them. I don't know today. I don't even know if I honestly do either, to be honest. No, I do. It's still, like, even though the games are 3D... It's still weird seeing him in 3D. <laughs> and then we have one final one, which is basically just a drawing. It's mm. of two Sonics swimming underwater, both waving to the camera. And uh, one of them, the face has been replaced with a little grinning photograph of Anthony Witten of Newark, Nottinghamshire, who presumably drew the drawing. But it's like, you couldn't have picked a less appropriate photo unless it was the back of his head. Because yeah. it's he's facing off in the wrong direction. Yeah. So he's looking off towards the back of Sonic's head. It says that Anthony's mum drew the Sonic on the left. Oh. So presumably she oh. drew that. And then Anthony copied her drawing and then pasted his face on. You're absolutely right. I didn't see that. Yeah. That explains the discrepancy in quality between the two <laughs> Sonics. It seems like perhaps... you see that one misplaced spike there? It's like maybe he started drawing his ear before realising he wouldn't have an ear there because he has his human ears halfway down his head, so he has to sort of turn yeah. it into a spike. <laughs> well, either that or he was copying his mum's, I think, very good. Yes, um, I agree. Nice job, Mrs. Whitten. She hasn't got them what we would call right, but she's drawn them in a way that I think looks really good. She's oh, basically yeah. given him quite a lot of drooping down little spikes. So oh, it's like, I won't judge anybody who gives Sonic more than the correct four or five uh, spikes. Quite. I don't even know how many spikes is correct, to be honest. Is it five? Five, right? Well, it's exactly as pictured on uh, Hannah's cake there. Five, You've got then. three on the head, one on the body, and then the tail. What is this tail nonsense? Since when does Sonic have a tail? He's always had a tail. <laughs> Go back. Looking at any well, I guess I never thought of that as his tail. Well, it, well, it is. <laughs> I guess it is. It's just another spike, though, isn't it? Isn't it funny how after all this time, I still don't know what Sonic actually looks like. I do. Well, no, but I mean, he can't have three spikes on his head normally because whenever they well, do the Christmas, the, but the Christmas tree head on view never has more than two. Poking well, out to the side. No, but that's what he's got. In the Christmas tree view, the point is the top spike. Oh, yeah, I guess it is, isn't he's it? He's got yeah. one in the middle, and then two kind of on the sides, and another one in the middle on the back. So if you you could actually get away with drawing another spike there. I'm just pulling up the box art to look at it. Yeah. Well, no, he's got four on the box for this. He's got two in his head and two in his body, and the box start for Sonic 1. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. That, he that's should he have three on his head? Yeah, he does, ever since. But that's the original design of him, but then they changed it. But also, if you look at the I'm cover... i up the Sonic 2 box art. If you look at the Sonic 1 box art, it can be interpreted as that third spike being either on his head or his body. It's kind of between... Uh, looking even at the Greg Martin cover of Sonic 2 here, What's it's the same it? sort of thing. He's got three on his head, but the third yeah. one starts on his head and it sort of fuses sort of into his shoulder, sort of shoulder blade, and then there's only one spike. But there's still only yeah. one spike then on his body, so it still is only four spikes total. There is only ever one spike. The correct design has one spike on his body. Well, two, because one's on either side on his body. Yeah. Or are there three? No, there's two. I mean rows, not... Uh... What? I feel like there are three rows of spikes on Sonic these days. Oh, look, I'm not talking about these days. <laughs> well, I think even then. Well, I mean, Richard always... His body has got two... Right, Sonic's yeah, no, no, body no, no. has in, got in two In profile, spikes. I'm completely in agreement with you. No, I'm completely clear on what you're saying. I mean, um... Even Elson drew him as having three columns of spikes running down his back. When you would see him from behind, yeah. there was always one sticking out to either side, and there was that yeah. weird 
droopy palm leaf in the middle. Well, and there's a good example here on the final page of his story in this issue, and yes. Yeah, but that wasn't quite right, was it? That was a bit dodgy. The droopy palm leaf always looked weird. Yeah. But, I mean, in the grand final (laughs) analysis, Sonic was never really designed to exist in a three-dimensional world. No, indeed. And they've struggled in every way (laughs) in, in doing that. No tail on the cover of the Sonic 2 box art, I noticed. Oh, is that right? Hang yeah. on. Yeah, you're absolutely right! Well, it must be hidden behind his leg. I'm looking at some other box art. Yeah, you can see there. Sonic 3 already put that one. It's the second half of the Sonic 3 thing, so... Yep, and we're only here looking out for one thing, thing, and that is what they have to say about the barrels. And that is not a single thing! Absolutely not mentioned. (laughs) No mention of it whatsoever. Appalling, did you even play the game? How is this of any use to anyone? The one thing that is famously difficult about this level, and it's not mentioned here, making this completely worthless as a walkthrough. I don't know if uh, any of you listeners saw it, but... A few days before recording this episode, I sort of strong-armed my friend Brendel Floss into playing Sonic 3 and Knuckles. The first time he has played a Sonic game. He managed to last his whole life... What? Ah, big Nez fanboy, what can I say? But he managed to last his whole life not playing Sonic games, so I made him play Sonic 3 and Knuckles on a stream. And he got to the barrels and... Clueless. He had absolutely no idea. And of course he didn't. I'm not going to hold that against him. None of us did. I knew he would have trouble. I allowed him to have trouble. I did smug looks to camera while he had trouble. And then I clued him in on what it is. Because, yeah, the only way to figure it out is to, like, happen... He did exactly what I did. He thought that it was a jumping hard puzzle. So he was, like, jumping... Push it down, you jump on it. You can sneak out through the gap. I remember giving the other controller to my brother to do tails so that we could both jump really hard together on it, and that wasn't it either. And when it went wrong and didn't work, I was like, Andrew, you're doing it wrong. You've got to jump at the same time as me. It's not working. Yeah, I think I had to phone up my friend and be told how to do it. I couldn't have looked in Q-Zone because no mention of it. And also, Ice Cap Zone, no mention of jumping off the, the slidey puzzle. Which is also something that you can get caught on, where there's an infinite loop of slides and you have to jump off it, not allow it to slide you down and land on a platform, and then stay on that platform so that it takes you down the rest of the way. No mention of that, as far unless I missed it. So it's no use. It's no use! So let's just turn the page and forget about it. Attack. Who Killed Chuck? Part 2. Written and drawn by Nigel Kitching. Letters by Steve Potter. Detective Case informs our heroes that he is investigating the disappearance of a double-glazing salesman. As it turns out, Igor is the one responsible, having killed the salesman so that Professor Stein would have a fresh corpse for his experiments to create life. Experiments that created Chuck, meaning that Igor is Chuck's murderer. This strip contains, I think, perhaps my most favourite decap attack gag of all of them. <laughs> We're trying. So, the detective comes in. I'm investigating a missing person. Double glazing salesman. This was the last house he was due to visit on the day he vanished. You know, I can smell a killer. And then, so Professor Stein goes, If you would excuse me a second, officer, while I have the quiet word, meet my associates. Right, which one of you killed the double glazing salesman? 
just immediately, no, no beating around the bush. He knows that someone in this house killed that friggin' double glazing salesman. He clicks the door. Right, which one of you killed the double glazing salesman? <laughs> Not me, Igor. Oh, it's typical, I must say. Well, was it you? Well, I suppose so. <laughs> I love it on so many levels. I love how while this whole conversation is going on, the detective that's investigating it is just waiting. He's just yeah. outside the door, go dum dum dum, just waiting, giving them time to get their stories straight. Yeah. <laughs> I love how he's drawn the second and third drawings of him. If you really break it down and look at the individual parts, none of the lines Michael has right. drawn <laughs> makes yeah. any sense at all. But altogether, they go together to make the perfect drawing of this stoic gumshoe detective guy. With, like, what looks like one black eye, maybe, or he's just sort of got a squinty expression. Yeah. He's absolutely brilliant. He's got, you know, plug from the Beano nostrils poking off. He's got yep, yep. the shadow of his own face spreading across his face. In the second one, he's like just a banana. He's just yeah, a bean. It, it doesn't matter. It makes no sense. It doesn't matter, you know? But it's so good. It's so good. Look at even how different, like, Stein looks between page one and two, you know? Oh, uh, the drawing on page one I love. Frankenstein, voted best mad scientist 1993, is about to perform delicate brain surgery on Chuck Wen. And it's like the cop comes in and he's grinning nervously as he holds the revving chainsaw up, getting ready to cut into... He's got it held up to his neck. And then you look at look at the, the panel of him grinning over on the completely different facing page, how everything is somewhere else on his skull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because Nigel's just drawing lines. He's drawing yeah. whatever the funniest line would be at yeah. any given moment. And that's why he's good at it. Yeah, he's so good at it. And I've tried to draw like this. And sometimes you can get it, but it's hard. Mm. It is tricky to get right. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like decapitate. It's such a loose and sketchy and f yeah. fl lines flung everywhere. Yeah. It's very... Calculated isn't the right word because it it's not... I don't know how to describe it exactly, but it's mm. all done very purposefully, and yep. it takes a lot of skill to do it and have it look as good as it does. It looks like you could copy it, but it's no. You you to get you got to peel back past the surface and see it for what yeah, it is. Yeah, to be able to draw it, you have to have it in your heart somewhere. It's yes. something you have to have a particular personal mastery of that reflects something in you it's a way of approaching shapes that i absolutely i mean well so for example everything that i said a minute ago about the funniest line and you said a minute ago that he's throwing shapes and lines everywhere i said those same things about pirate stc but i didn't like it in that or at least it made me very confused i think i can articulate the difference there though because pirate stc was a very blobby flowing formless line Yes. Whereas so much of Decapitac is really uh, hard, thick, bold, straight, sharp, angular lines. Yeah. Not yeah. that many curving lines in Decapitac. I mean, that's a complete lie. There's loads of curving lines. Well, yeah, but, but somehow no, it, they look angular anyway. Don't they? Yeah, it gives the impression of angles. That's why I see this in terms of the silhouettes. And I keep saying the word shapes. That's mm. what I see. I see the negative space that they are creating these shapes around and inside. And it's like... So, like, on the third panel where the bean-headed guy is <laughs> leaning in, what he's doing is he's saying, here's the photo of the guy I'm looking for, and he's just holding it out for Chuck to see. But the way it's drawn is, his head has this weird shape so that his jaw is what's leading. His jaw <laughs> is, like, sticking out to say his piece. And then... His arm, completely detached from his body, is just coming in yeah, from above. Coming up above. In this big, lovely diagonal line slicing through the picture. 
in the sky just by itself to hold out this photo because it gives the hand holding the photo its own space and its own silhouette and it draws the eye there and it's mm. like i could look at nigel kitching's drawings forever they're so cool i love how he's drawn the photo of the double glazing salesman <laughs> because it's just mr happy it's yeah. just a big circle with two featureless circles for ears on the side a big cloud of hair on top and just a big you smile and dot eyes yeah. and i remember i remember as a child <laughs> assuming when i saw this that this was like a cartoonish simplification of a yeah, face he's just you know drawn like, it. here's this picture and it was like just like a featureless generic yeah circle smile face yeah. and it didn't matter then you turn the page and you see the double glazing salesman and nope that's exactly, that's exactly what, what it looks like. like and that's not set up and payoff but it's funny <laughs> yeah and that's because most of this episode like the majority of the second page all the third page and just over half of the final page are this flashback all painted in just shades of greyish blue so it's all in flashback colour mm. and also Nigel does kind of tone down his wacky shapes a little bit. Like, the whole of the third page is, you know, a relatively settled shot mm -hmm. of the outside of this building and the characters moving around outside it. Same shot in three panels, which you know I love, yeah. but with inset stuff. And it's the, then the madness kind of ramps up again when we get back to the present and everyone's sort of leaping out of the panel at you again. Because the last panel is Chuck advancing on Igor and he's proper, like, Dracula pose. Arms out, hands out, yeah. elbows up, out there, skull <laughs> leaping off the back of him with the force of what's happening, face jutting forward, and Igor in the corner going, ah! And it's one of those cartoon expressions where his eyeballs are popping yeah. off his eyeballs skull in surprise. The hair up on hair straight spikes. up on end, yeah. And that's after this quite settled down flashback sequence. Oh, this is a great comic. Yeah. So the flashback is how the professor sends Igor out to dig up a corpse. Yeah. Like, completely, there's no, like, this is, don't forget, this is a four-page comedy cartoon strip for children yeah. about murder. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sends him out to dig up a corpse for his experiments, but doorbell rings. What kind of idiot would be calling on a night like this? Good evening, sir. Do you have any plans to improve your property? <laughs> uh, double glazing salesman. So he kills the double rather than go out in the rain to dig up. A yeah, that's the only reason he does it. Glazing. Yeah, it's just he doesn't want to go out in the rain. Kills the double glazing salesman, tightly lures him in, and he shows him a huge stained glass window. How much to double glaze this one? <laughs> well, we couldn't use one of our standard units. <laughs> <laughs> How do you find such a fresh corpse, Igor? This one is still warm. <laughs> Yeah, and in fact, his toes are still twitching toes on the slab. And the way that they they don't show you the murder, but he's no, no, it he's happens. Drawn in the, the most yeah. perfect kinetic drawing of Igor, like winding up his spade to just thwack. You can see exactly where the line of motion is going to be, and it's going to go right through his neck. <laughs> yep, and then the sharp cut just snaps the very next panel, the next row of panels. Where do you find such a fresh corpse? And <laughs> just cut, slam, perfect. Perfect execution of the joke of the action of everything. Exactly. I love I love Head in the final panel here as well, yeah. where he's just like, eh, as Chuck <laughs> lunges forward, unbidden, no agency of his own, just eh, falling off And I tell backwards. you what, massive respect to Nigel, for because he wrote this script as well. That first panel on the final page, in which he has to draw a stained glass window, Anyone, yeah. If you're an artist and you're reading that in the script, you're like, oh, no. And there's no way around <laughs> it. The script calls for you to show it in full. The whole point of the story there is we're looking at a stained glass window. 
Nigel wrote that for himself to do, and he nailed it. Do you know the thing that I always remember about this strip as a kid, wondering why it ever mattered, was the fact that, yeah, this is Chuck's body, but it's not Chuck's brain. The brain that they put in Chuck was someone else's. I was going to say, this guy doesn't seem much like the combined brain of Chuck and Head. Yeah, yeah. Skull. no, no, head, the skull? brain came from uh, uh, head. head, his name is Head, I keep forgetting that too for some reason <laughs> Yeah, the brain came from somewhere else Do we know where? Will we know where? You remember the professor wrote down on the piece of paper who Chuck's brain belonged to <laughs> Chuck D, ah that pesky blood it gets everywhere oh, yeah. And the last thought the brain had was There's no way that's a real unexploded landmine <laughs> oh yeah uh, so the professor knew who the brain belonged to but the body was this double glazing salesman so i always and it's uh, it's a very childish view of the whole thing and i was like why does he care it wasn't really him <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> what bit of this salesman is chuck's enormous throbbing head neck that uh, mm. <laughs> no wonder he's got such a silly grin on his face <laughs> Oh, this is so good. As I say, one of my favourite jokes from all of Decapitech. But the thing is, I don't really remember where their story goes after this. I remembered the whole flashback Igor was the killer bit. Mm-hmm. I remember the resolution, but I don't remember where the strip goes in between. Oh, I look forward to finding let's out. Let's find out. I think my favourite joke from Decapitech, incidentally, is the one where they're chucking loads of stuff at his face. Someone's chucking loads of stuff on Chuck's head and it's bonking off and it's a whole oh, yes, whole page right. of small panels of different stuff bonking off his head. And the reason I loved it so much is that one of the things that bonked off was the Starship Enterprise. And I love that so much because I'd just drawn a little comic in which a, a comedy hamster character is drawing out all the stuff he's got in his cheek pouch. And one of them was the Starship Enterprise. And I just remember thinking like, yeah... That is one of the things you must always draw in a list of stuff. (laughs) We will have to look out for that one. Yeah, can't wait. Next issue. Messy. I didn't see (laughs) that. It's messy. Messy. Uh, What we got here? Uh, Oh, there's that letter from Anthony Crook that I remembered where he's talking about how good the tattoos were, Uh, but he didn't know what HWA stood for. So Megadroid's response was, could it be horribly wet armpits? huge wide area <laughs> or could it be hedgehog with attitude and that's how i remember that it was hedgehog with attitude not only is huge wide area amusing to me i do anytime what i like is anytime someone says an initialism that i don't recognize and i like to have fun coming up with what it is this is a good one but also i like that those are both ones where you could put it on different areas of your body to label them horribly wet armpits or huge wide area but uh, yes hedgehog with what attitude point of your well. body would you put huge wide area on dave Arse, Chris. Arse, Steve. Arse, Chris. <laughs> oh, we'll have to cut that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sonic the Tonic from Jason Griffiths. <laughs> there was an actor called Jason Griffiths uh, who played Sonic later. Uh, yeah, the worst thing right. about being in hospital is, yeah, yeah, Jason Griffith was the name of the guy who played him in... Um, Sonic X years well, the four kids then dubbing plainly crew. plainly this is him even though it's Griffiths Griffiths yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, the worst thing about being in hospital is they don't sell STC and the food's horrible. That's two things, Jason. So please send me a prize and cheer me up. I'm looking forward to seeing Knuckles in his own strip. Keep up the good work. Just look forward to STC 39. He's just dropping it casually oh my word. the page again when our mega new Knuckles strip will have you in stitches. Yeah, well, I don't... Yeah, okay, I get it, because it's a hospital thing. That's not going to be a comedy hospital strip. Stitches, yeah. In fact, it's yeah. going to be one of the least comedy strips STC ever has, is the Knuckles, no, yeah. knuckles ongoing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm excited about that. And then we have... Actually, just dropping that in there. Yeah. Yeah, because just above that, we've got a picture from Nikki Helwy Larson from Amersham in Buckinghamshire. Yeah, who is important enough that they're able to just sign under their initials, NHL94. Oh, yeah. It's got to be high profile <laughs> to get away with that. Like uh, like the sports games. Much like the sports game. Oh, Look if your that. initials were NHL, of course you'd sign as NHL. Especially in 94. Yeah. <laughs> Knuckles, rock hard, rock the artwork hard. says. And you can tell he's rock hard because he is wearing sunglasses. Oh, yes, that was how you knew. And he's pink. Because yep. as we all know, Knuckles, Knuckles was pink. Pink, pink. pink. The sunglasses say oak tree on them. I guess that's a kind of sunglasses, but I can't that find anything. That sounds like about. a brand, yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, but I can't find anything about that online. That would be Oakley, a popular brand of sunglasses. There is another drawing, but let's have a letter first. Mm. Lonely Hearts from Amy Coleman of Mappenley, Nottingham says, Dear STC, if Tails ever wants a girlfriend, then I am the one to ask, as I fell in love with him at first sight. Please ask Tails to get in touch with me if he'd like to see a photo first. And Megadroid replies, First? Shouldn't you stick to your own species, Amy? <laughs> Try telling that to Sonic fans. <laughs> <laughs> he, he lifted his glasses and put them on his forehead as he said that. <laughs> That's true. That was a little lost in the audio medium, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> But then, uh, yes, Paul Burroughs from Hindhead in yeah. Surrey has uh, sent in a picture of Sonia, yes. who the caption describes as Tails' latest girlfriend. Latest? Well, I think they say latest because we've had one or two pictures of girlfriends oh, for Tails right. already, haven't we? It's not specifically a reference to Amy being bumped. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the caption does say, does Amy know about this? Describe Sonia for us, dude. Okay, so what I'm looking at is, so as I'm sure you're all imagining, it's Tails but in girl costume basically yeah so start with the tails right full head of hair full blonde hairstyle goes down to a ponytail red hairband towards the end of the ponytail standard purple eyeshadow so eyes half closed to show that off uh lipstick of course and then a top how shall i describe the top so it's tough to describe isn't it not knowing the words for clothes you know i'll start by saying what you're all wondering the breasts are acknowledged by the clothing <laughs> here um it, there is a uh there is a sort of heart-shaped clothing. Think, uh, think rouge. It's a strapless dress. Yes. Purple. Yes. With three yellow stars on the top. One on each and then one in the middle. <laughs> yes, and one on the belly button. Uh, <laughs> and a black belt at the waist. Yes. But then, she's also underneath that, wearing a green t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Or is it all... That, that was where I was stumbling, because if it's part of a single garment... They could all be one thing, but that's how I'm going to describe it so you can picture it. Exactly, exactly. Or they're all one thing, yes. And of course she's wearing the gloves. Classic Amy Rose-style shoulder bits mm, and frills. Shoulder poofs, yeah. And then quite elaborate trainers. In fact, whose trainers are they? Those are Sonic trainers. I'm pretty they? sure those are Mr. Silly's trainers. <laughs> <laughs> they're the traditional tails pattern of red back, white front, but they're big clog-like things with Mr. Men-style laces on them. And big tongues. I think they might be Freedom Team trainers. I'm pretty sure I've seen 
Johnny in them. I'm pretty sure they're close to Amy's ones, but you can't really see them very well this issue, so I'd have to go and get other issues well, out. You've got a pretty good look at Porkers. Yeah, a fairly good look, yeah. Porker goes for Velcro. Guess those hands aren't <laughs> that advanced, are they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, it was the 90s Velcro was the end thing. Oh, I mean, yeah. There was a time, actually, about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, where someone informed me that you don't have to not wear Velcro, even if you were a grown-up. And I got myself a pair of Velcros, and, oh, it changed my life. Oh, everything. <laughs> the world was better for a while until they died and I had to go back to normal shoes again. Oh, well. One last letter from Neil Hollands of Southfleet in Kent, who says, Although I like Sonic and Tails, my favourite character has to be Dr. Robotnik. Don't get me wrong, but there's nothing quite like a good old baddie. And you're quite right, Neil. I agree. Megadroid does say, though, you'd be sure to get on with the humans who think they're in charge, Neil. Hey. And that's Speedlines. We recently discovered that we've got a lot of our own speed lines. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not doing too bad for time here, are we? Oh, actually, no. Yeah, we are. It's terrible, but carry uh, on. Anyway. We not should get not one, too bad but... by modern standards. Let's see what Sam can do about it. Uh-huh. I feel like we've had a lot of waffle in this one. Uh-huh. Yeah, we haven't been delving into the SECTP mailbag a lot recently because we've just gone on and on so long and the episodes yeah. have been two hours long anyway. Let's just Sorry see about that, folks, can... if you've been waiting for your letters to okay. be got to. But uh, yeah, exactly. just, these recordings take so long at this point. It's, we started this at lunchtime. It's basically time for tea now. Yes, and that's how it goes. That's how it always goes. That's our Saturdays. <laughs> All for you. So let's just see what the first one is. Well, the first one is requesting my fanfic, but we'll have the second one. That's a special one, saved for another time. Alistair Bloomer writes, Hello again, Chris and Dave. I'm at my parents' house in Northampton, so it's Alistair Bloomer from Northampton, with my son at the moment, and we've been going through old tat to clear out. Imagine my surprise when we came across the Sonic Super Spinner from 1994. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Not sure if you'd be interested, but if you would like it, let me know. (gasps) I can send it on to you. It's a fair bit smaller than I remember. So, uh, Chris, if you want to arrange with him to hurl that so hard from Northampton that it hits your brother in the head, uh, (laughs) then now's the time to say. Oh, I think I might have to, you know. (laughs) Here's a letter that just fell into the mailbox and stayed there and we just missed it. Sorry about this, but it's from John McGillis of Lloydminster, Saskatchewan, Mega Drive owner. Dear STCTP, I'd love to have the origins of the podcast itself. How you two got in touch, whose idea it was, etc. Recorded for posterity. Big fan of both your channels and have been having a blast discovering STC through the show. Keep up the good work. I love to hear these stories about people who are actually discovering the comic through this. I know, isn't that the best? This show had any appeal to anybody who didn't read it or wasn't around back then. What must we sound like? I know, I know. (laughs) So, I... Origins. Do you want to lead this? Because I struggle to remember. Well, as far as how we ever got in touch, I definitely discovered your uh, work first. Really? Uh, It was your Sonic 2 song was the first thing of of yours that I ever... We've talked about that on the show before. Yeah, loved it. Listened to loads (laughs) of your other songs and stuff as well. And then uh, one day you followed me on Twitter and I went, oh, that's that fella from that what done that thing. He's great. Love him. Well, the reason I followed you was because it was just becoming clear to me that everyone cool knew you. Um, (laughs) So you were already friends with people I knew, including my wife, Abby, 
who was in the Transformers fandom, she tells me that she used to listen to you on a podcast about Transformers, and that's why she followed you on Twitter and then ended up meeting up with you when she went to Auto Assembly, where you both got a bit tipsy and bonded over comic shop job stories. So yeah, so I, to me, you were someone who gradually just phased into my Twitter, having seeming to exist on all angles of it in one way or another. I told this story before already, but I knew you liked STC because yeah. of the song. Yeah. How does the line go again? It goes... Look at the birds behind the plane. That's a fair few blickies. I know a bloke who hated this because he finished it too fast. As we all saw him complain on Games Master, but I loved it up. And the comics were good, starting to. The comics were good, and I was like, there is no way. This dude is not talking about Sonic the Comic. <laughs> Even years ago, before I knew who you were, before I ever spoke yeah. to you, I was like, there's no way he's not talking about STC. So I always knew that about you. And I guess I threw conversation on Twitter. It must have just come to know that. Yeah. Because to get to the origins of the podcast, yeah. that was all you. I don't know if you remember that, but you said to me, <laughs> right, what about this for a notion? And I was like, oh, yeah. But then it took like two years before we did it. Well, my, my memory of that was that I've always had it on the back burner to do something factual about STC. And, you know, and I was always involved in online STC things back in the day. And then, to my memory, the idea kind of solidified as I was going back and forth to my writing cafe where I work on things. And I was writing a sort of sonic thing, which I, I allude to now and then on this podcast. If I ever say... I'm going to speak elsewhere about XYZ and it's because I'm saying I've already written it for this thing that I'm working on and have been for ages. I was talking to Abby about it and she was like, no, you you should. I think I was wondering about doing it with her and she was like, oh, I'm a bit shy for that. But, um, but she was like, but you should do it with Chris. I bet what happened was we found out that you were into STC and then we were like, ah, he'd be good. Yeah, we should I do I mean, that. I had definitely done... A variety of pod. I, I hadn't podcasted for a good long time when we started this, but years ago I did the Transformers podcast, the Underbase, talking about the IDW Transformers comics, and I did a. I was one of four hosts on a comic book podcast called Fanboy Versus, where we looked at the week's comics every week, right. and I would drop in as a guest on podcasts here and there as well. But I was well out of it for several years um, when this opportunity finally rolled. Or well, I say I say when it <laughs> rolled around, as I say, because I say it, it took. Two or three years after, really? you've, after you've, well, maybe that's a slight stretch, but <laughs> it's at least two. It sounds right to me, anyway. That's normal for my ideas. Before we actually figured out exactly how and when and where we were going to do. And the only thing that held us back was for ages. And this will sound so stupid, but we could not think what it should be called. <laughs> I've got this whole set of DMs with Abby Denton where I was like. Abby, can you come up with any puns that we can use as our names? Because we're struggling. And like, <laughs> she came up with some, but she was coming up with the same stuff we were. She was like, I think between us at some point we came up with like Kintabor's Great Mistake or something like that. <laughs> um, I still like Retro Orbital, Orbital Chaos, Chaos Cast. Cast That's quite nice. You have to know what that is to understand exactly. the podcast. And ultimately, I think we have maximized <laughs> <I think so. laughs> all our potential reach with the name we went with. I mean, 
What uh, and and it's so in keeping with, with Sonic the comic, Sonic yeah. the summer special, Sonic the poster mag. Yeah. What else could we have ever realistically <laughs> called it? Yeah, but this is the thing. Even calling it Sonic the Pod, which we did suggest at yeah. one point, and which we didn't call it because someone else a podcast called yeah. Sonic the Podcast had previously existed. Yeah. Even then, it doesn't necessarily tell you no. that it's about Sonic the comic. And yeah, I mean, I, I, how did we take so long Listen, to figure I out can tell Sonic you the comic, the podcast, when was the best title? When we were at the point where we thought it was going to be called Retro Orbital Chaos Cast, and that was the that was our best idea. And like mm. for us, it's great fun that name, but it does not communicate to new listeners what it is. So that was my only misgiving, really. But at that point, I had already assumed that we couldn't call it sonic the comic the podcast because i was sure that would be taken yeah yeah so that's what happened we just decided to do it and did (laughs) definitely the original idea was yours i think whenever we finally shifted into doing it Mm. it was me going Right, what about actually doing this yeah, then? Yeah. We recorded 10 episodes in advance because we were laboring under the delusion that we might be able to bring this out weekly <laughs> first. <laughs> and we thought if we get loads in the bank, then, you know, we'll have yeah. time to do them afterwards. But no, no, it... Uh... Oh, well. But, I mean, hey, even fortnightly, how quick has this year and a uh, half uh, uh, gone by? I no, I mean, partially because... 2020 yeah, yeah but also even then yeah. we got through that first year in no time it zipped along didn't it yeah so there we go that's what happened that's probably going to do it for the mailbag for this episode but so. we will try and get some more in in uh, in future episodes we will we've got lots of letters from you we will read them out but listen we're still hungry for more so if you want to be yes. in speed lines write to us at sttt podcast at gmail.com so next issue, hey. get stuck up with STC. <laughs> Free STC's mega new series of Sonic the Stickers. And I did recognize this sticker that they have as an example here. It's one of the skeletons from Mutant League. Just a piece of reused art. Slapping yes. the sticker, you know, as onto if it was the onto camera. a window. Yeah. Or onto the camera, yes. And it's that nasty little Tails animated series character <laughs> model. Um, but orange, not brown. And it goes, Prower power! Listen, I like it. I'm so completely yeah, used to it now yeah. that I think it's good. It's his weird eyes. And it's the, that little hand out. The eyes and the hand I'm perfectly comfortable with. The bit I don't like is the fact that his far side cheek is like a separate unit from the tuft of hair coming out of the side of it. That's. Uh, oh, I feel like you need a line there. Oh, no, I don't like it. I think you don't need the tuft of hair there. Well, basically, they've just drawn yes, him wrong. I would agree with the, that. You yes. can't, yes, you can't satisfyingly finish that cheek because it's not right. Yeah, because it's Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> it's just all wrong. <laughs> Mutant League, the last gut-churning episode, and then a sneaky joke that you would almost miss it. Mm-hmm. Plus, Sonic and Knuckles, Tails and the Flock, Decap Attack and Chips, <laughs> STC 36, <laughs> get your sticky fingers on it. Saturday, 1st of October, one fifteen. <laughs> Decap Attack and Chips. <laughs> That's just silly. Oh, and I've just discovered by looking at shots of Tails in Adventures of Sonic that they should have coloured that far tuft orange. That's what the problem is. Ah, uh, because it's the actual tuft That's of... That's the tuft um, of... Yeah. yeah. Well, if you'd like to learn more about what they should have done with Sonic, <laughs> you can come back next issue to see how STC did it right. As <laughs> always, you'll find next episode and all our other episodes on uh, Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can download podcasts, but you can also get it directly from stctp.wigglehe.com. You can follow the show on Twitter. It is at Sonic Podcast, and you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. One word, mind. 
suppose you have to be. And I am at Chris McFeely. And you'll also find us both on YouTube under those names as well. And Dave's on Twitch as well, isn't you, Dave? I am same name. Our editor is Sam Gabriel. You can listen to his podcast. It is Alexandra Quick and the Audiobook Project. Or you can follow him on Twitter where he'll link you to that. I'm sure he is at Saber in Blue. That's the American version of Saber with an E-R. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash stctp. And yes, yes, there'll be things there soon. And I know we've been saying that for absolutely ages at this point. Sorry, we're so busy, but we're about to be free. There's every chance we might have some bonus content up there by the time this episode comes out. Good shout, you're right there. Yeah, so I hope you're enjoying that. But if not, cut this bit out. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's actual bonus exclusive features for you to enjoy like we've been promising we would do. We actually have. Yes, they yeah, have we did begun. It, we did it. And not just to listen to, but to look at our faces and everything. If that's the sort of thing you're into, you have the choice between into, video yeah. and audio. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, we've got quite a bit of stuff. There's a whole hour and 20 minute long inaugural episode of our look into the Martin Adams Sonic books, of which you may recall us gushing many a time about Sonic in the Fourth Dimension. That's not where we're starting. We're starting with the first one, uh, Sonic in Robotnik's Laboratory. Yeah, we're doing them in order. And coming very soon, it may be out already, but it's certainly going to be out by the end of the month in which this episode drops, we will have a second exclusive audio thing. And both of these, by the way, are the first episodes in a monthly series, so you're Mm going to get tons of stuff if you join us on Patreon. And uh, the second thing is that I read to Chris my apocalyptic Sonic fanfic that I wrote between that, the ages of 12 and 15. That, that, one's, that one's less fun for me. <laughs> In which everybody dies and I'm extremely embarrassing. So if There's you... also an awful lot of Archie references. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the real agony. I said embarrassing. So if you'd like to listen to me being embarrassed and Chris having to endure it, then you can see us over there at patreon.com forward slash stctp. That's what you can do. We thank you if you do. So far, all of the money goes to pay our editor, Sam. But it is an Ouroboros. Yes. If we can pay Sam, it gives us the time to, to make to the make extra content. The Patreon That's content. That's why yeah. we've finally been able to do it. So thank you to you yeah. all. Thanks to everybody for supporting up till now whenever we didn't have any rewards to give you. This and thanks it. to everybody who's signed up since they've been introduced as well. We hope you are enjoying. Yeah, the stuff that you have created with your pound coin. A pound! <laughs> Our opening theme tune was synchronised by Sonic the Comic, the band you can find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. They are Sonic the Comic, the band, but we are Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we will see you next Next time. time. Are 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 you ready? Hard. Thick. Really. Bold Straight Sharp Angular